Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. Meteor ship! Some folks have a strange idea entertaining. They're dead, but they're coming right for us. You're gonna need a bigger boat. one and all and welcome back to another exciting episode of the spooky picture time fuck what's the name of our show spooky, spooky. picture show you two fucking years spooky. Two, two fucking spooky. years man spooky, oh. spooky family time spooky picture <laughs> god damn it okay yeah At that. <laughs> <laughs> hi everybody welcome to cat facts <laughs> Oh man, we would get a lot more hits if we called ourselves cat facts. Spooky oh kitty God. time. All the, all the crazy cat people that'll be listening to us. No Spooky offense. pussy time. <laughs> oh. Starring men. That's a whole. <laughs> that's a whole. <laughs> uh, it has teeth. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> All right, hello one and all, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Spooky Picture Show, where four friends get together to discuss all things horror. And of course, as always, eternally and forever, we're going to be keeping it spooky. I'm one of your co-hosts, Michael Felsher. And I'm Chris McGibbon. And I'm Kevin Ellis. And I'm Melanie Mullen. And with this show, we're going to be mixing things up a little bit and trying something a little bit different than our normal format. Although I don't really honestly know what our normal format is. Uh, We tend to kind of mix things up all the time so i guess this is normal for us to try something different so therefore it is exactly in line with what we normally do does that make sense no yeah let's go good good job well i'm just trying to just get you know what fuck all three of you uh this i'm sick of this i quit i don't you know i don't need this crap anymore keep going keep going all right all right all right (laughs) anywho uh the uh the the (laughs) So what we're going to be doing with this particular episode is we are going to be focusing on a pair of films uh, that have uh, quite a few things in common, and we're going to kind of compare and contrast how these films approach their subjects and their source material and the cast and the directors and the producers involved and kind of put them in context with when they were made and the legacies they've both had. And they're, they're connected in a number of ways, both surprising and not surprising. We're going to be talking about Reanimator, from 1985 and the follow-up feature in a way from 1986 from beyond both films written and directed by Dennis Paoli and Stuart Gordon, Stuart Gordon making his directorial debut with reanimator in 85. And then of course, Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton who starred in with uh, Bruce Abbott in the original in reanimator. We saw Combs and uh, Crampton return for from beyond and a lot of people, including Brian Usen, the producer, I mentioned Dennis Paoli, the screenwriter, a lot of the effects people came back and uh, returned on From Beyond, although there were a lot more people involved in From Beyond than there were in Reanimator in terms of the effects, and we'll get into that. But we're looking at two films that have a decidedly twisted uh, look at the, uh, the works of Lovecraft, himself a very twisted guy. But they're, uh, they're very different films, and I think we, we discovered in reviewing them for the show that although they are connected in a number of ways, both in terms of the storyline and the themes involved, 
tonally, they're very, very different films. And I think they have revealed themselves to be sort of, uh, sort of twisted cousins, you might want to say, over the years. And so I'm, I'm curious to see where we all land on these uh, particular films and where we place them in terms of not just 80s horror, but in terms of Stuart Gordon's filmography. And uh, let's go ahead and start off with Gibbs. I'm going to just get your view on Reanimator and From Beyond because uh, these films have uh, certainly been in your wheelhouse, I would say, in terms of the, the types of movies you've watched over the years. What was your first experience with them? Well, actually, before I get into that, there is something we need to address. I apologize. That was a great intro into me. I appreciate it. And you did awesome. But this is our February show. It is the month of love. Oh. Spooky love. And, and there is, there are, I've heard some nuptials we need to congratulate <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't really want to... I wasn't going to say anything, but since you brought it up, go right ahead. That's fine. Mel, would you like to? No. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, tell us. Tell us what's going yeah. on. Yeah, come on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm fine with it. I'm really... At, at this point, I think it's time to go public with it. Fine. Okay. You know what? I had a dream no, hold, that Red Shirt got engaged to my mom, and it was very stressful... It was a very bad dream. I woke up very agitated. No, 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 no. She's telling this all wrong. She woke up <laughs> mad, and then she tells me that she, she's which pissed was a off, mistake. Which was she? You've learned your lesson. That she's pissed off at Red Shirt because she married his mother, her mother, in her dream. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know how to process this. I don't know what to do with this information. Oh, I know. I'll tell Kevin. It was yeah. terrible. <laughs> he, he told yeah. me immediately. I, yeah. I didn't even. Yeah, there was no wait. It was just a, an immediate reaction to to. Uh, you didn't even. Yeah, you didn't even make it like two hours. Um, <laughs> no, and you were like, no. you were like, no, I want to keep this to myself for a bit. And I was like, uh, you okay. know what? At, the, at, yeah, at that moment, I'm like, I that's was the most that... ungibbs like thing I've ever heard. Yeah, at, at at that moment, that's where I was at. I was like, no, 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 this is my information that I'm going to use to my advantage. But I was like, I can't have this alone. Yeah. So, so the the basic concept is that Mel had a dream where I, for some reason, married her mother, making her my stepdaughter, apparently, <laughs> and she woke up and was pissed at me. Yeah. I was so <laughs> angry. I because... didn't know what to do. <laughs> As a, apparently i was like a low ambition freddy krueger in this particular situation <laughs> yeah, what's i saying and about I just, him that you were so mad you know yeah i don't what did i do i didn't yeah. do anything um you were trying to marry my mom and i was really upset it was a very intense dream like gibbs was in it and he was like trying to be like a mediator and trying to keep me from murdering you <laughs> Because I was going to actually kill you. And um, I think Kevy may have been there as well. But you know Kevy, he's very non-confrontational. So he was just like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do? And then... <laughs> and then a, that sounds about right. That's, yeah. And then Gibbs, Gibbs is just actively trying to, like, defuse me. That sounds and, about right. The yeah. song checks out. Um, it was just, I don't know why the, the dream was so realistic. And then my mom's like, well, don't you want me to be happy? And I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, not oh. if this is what it takes. I mean, what, it was am, am terrible. I like, stay, 
And am I like just standing off to the side, like with like a top hat and, and, and glasses going, but Melanie, darling, don't you want your mother to be happy? <laughs> no, it was just you. I can't believe you would actually tell anyone ever. I had to tell some. I woke up and I was so enraged. Like I had to talk to somebody about it. And Gibbs, I knew, would at least understand why I was so upset, I think. But, you should have called me. But it's kind of like when you have a dream that, like, uh, I mean, you guys, I don't know how well you can relate to this, but, like, you have a dream that your boyfriend cheats on you and you wake mm-hmm. up. And you know it was just a dream, but you're, like, mad at him all day <laughs> because of it. Um, I, I, it's happened to me many times where i'm like i get a text from my boyfriend after i have this terrible dream about it. i'm like what the fuck does this guy want like <laughs> wow i just would like, have loved I literally, to have been like i didn't want like i didn't want to talk to red shirt that day i was like so upset <laughs> i would just love to have been in the moment you woke up and you're like <laughs> Ooh, that red shirt! <laughs> I know. I was so. I was so. <laughs> oh man, my blood. I my blood was boiling. And then so yeah, Gibbs called Kevy, and then yeah. not long after, I got a call. Oh, you you almost got a call with Kevy on the phone. I almost got a conference call because Kevy's like, you got to tell him. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you're right. I can't keep this to myself. No, that Mel, was an impossibility. You know. I Mel's... would say it would have been fun to actually listen to Redshirt's reaction to you telling him that. Um, it, it was, you know, it was a bit of bewilderment. And then there was a, there, there was, you could tell the gears were turning and the evil yeah, was brewing. Yeah. Like, we can use this for something later. Oh, and, and um, it went from, oh, that's ridiculous. That she would have a dream like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh <Yeah>. really <laughs> and honestly i figured mel has tortured redshirt enough that you know you've kind of earned the right for him yeah. to know so you know and i well, think i revealed it in the chat you were saying something in our chat and i just went geez calm down mel it's not like i married your mom or anything and you were like yeah <laughs> well thank god my mom doesn't listen to this show because of course i did not tell her about this dream because she would have been like who's red shirt why is oh, no. he so why were you so upset he can't be that bad and i'd be oh, like oh no red shirt's gonna get hit up by mel's mom little does I little does she know myself I'm gonna just email. I'm gonna email her mother. Your daughter's trying to keep us apart. <laughs> like, who are you? <laughs> you don't understand. I am the love of your life. Your daughter dreamed it. <laughs> and, and of course, we started having some Photoshop fun with it. Oh, okay. yes, yes, yeah. Of course, Which yeah. unfortunately, photos no will never see. see the light of day. By the way, <laughs> yeah, those are those those are for our eyes only. But, yeah. Uh, I had to get that out there because, you know, realistically, um, it is it is the month of love, and it it, it does appear that you know we've we've got a dream love happening somewhere. So, in my imagination, the marriage is going strong. So it's you know, yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) has she turned you into a Trump supporter yet? Oh wow! (laughs) All right, back to from beyond and reanimator. Time to start divorce proceedings. I will say uh, though, redshirt. I'm glad to see that you're home safe and sound, back in the real world, not in the dream world. Um, you had another scary airplane incident a few weeks ago. Oh man, I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, you were on that Alaska Airlines flight where the door the door fell off. I hadn't heard this one. No, I was not on the. Why was? How? What? Well, I think the reason you're in denial about it is because it's a little known fact. I've seen the FAA report about it. Um, you apparently were on this plane and you got so mad that they didn't have any Sprite that <laughs> you just you just kicked kicked out the emergency door. Let me see if I got this straight. <laughs> I'm on an Alaska Airlines jet and they didn't have any Sprite. <laughs> so I said fuck that noise <laughs> and i kicked out the emergency door you were very thirsty what was Are your you part he wasn't upset that they didn't have funeral home as the in-flight movie yes they didn't have funeral home on their in-flight entertainment <laughs> they didn't have dead end drive-in they didn't have uh uh they didn't have sprite <laughs> first of all i don't drink sprite i've they never drank ha- sprite. they didn't have pot roast on the menu mm. or, or, okay. or, or Christmas ham. He, he won't eat. He won't eat that no more. Remember? Yeah. Well, I also have some news. Well, <laughs> your mom is pregnant with my baby. <laughs> oh, you should let her doctor know that. It's a, it would be a, it's a, a miracle a, birth. It's a postmenopausal <laughs> miracle. Yes. I have super <laughs> sperm. Well, jump this took a turn. I'm going to jump off a fucking building. <laughs> this I'll is... choose. I've reached the end. <laughs> All roads led to this. <laughs> yeah. This is what my whole life amounted to. Well. Okay. So now that all that fun is over with. Right. I need a sprite. All right. So back to From Beyond and Reanimator. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about Sprite. I've never I don't drank Sprite. Fine, Dr. Pepper, Mountain I don't Dew. I Dr. Pepper either. What is it? it doesn't matter what drink it is. It's, that's why I got pissed. I don't know how to drink I'm like, fuck this. Well, you know how things get misconstrued through the grapevine. So was it Mountain Dew? He's more of a Dr. Perky, man. Dr. Perky? Dr. Perky. That's the, that's the southern ripoff Dr. version of Dr. Mm. Yeah. Mr. P. RC Cola? There's a lot of doc. There's a lot of uh, uh, unauthorized doctors running around uh, <laughs> in the soft drink world. They don't, have, they don't have their medical licenses. Huh. All right, Doctor well. Perky. <laughs> Speaking of doctors, let's get back to. Uh, oh yeah, what we showed mm. up for. Yeah, let's yeah. get back to uh, from Beyond and Reanimator. Uh, and you did pass this to me, so I will... Uh, yeah, about five hours ago. I, listen, it's not my fault she picked up the mic and ran off with something of her own. This was supposed you to be revenge known. on her, and it backfired horribly. And it was your idea, so I'm just, you know, come oh, up with better. Oh, was it now? No, it wasn't my idea. This was totally your idea, you prick. <laughs> You're the one who came to me the other day. Hey, guess what I'm going to do? That's what you did. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to announce your marriage to Mel's mom. That'll go over great, won't it? <laughs> Mel, does that sound like something I would do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so my apologies to anyone who's hung in so far in this episode. Because I if mean, you came here, they're all only, gone. Yeah, they're gone. We're 15 yeah, minutes in, so they're, you know. Oh, but uh, anyway, all right. So from Beyond and Reanimator. So 
I saw the both of these much, much later than um, most of the horror films from the 80s that I enjoy because a majority of those I saw as a young kid and, um, you know, they kind of stuck with me. These two from beyond never would have been on my radar reanimator even less so because I used to rent movies based off the VHS covers and neither one of these movies gave me any impression of realistically what they were um, in terms of like, you know, reanimator being sort of a zombie movie and from beyond having creatures and, you know, neon lights and stuff. It just had this sort of like still of the, you know, the, the doctor monster on it. It's, it's a cool image, but as a kid, I wouldn't have really thought anything of it. So uh, reanimator I saw when I was probably about 15, uh, a friend of mine, let me borrow the DVD and I, uh, with Evil Dead, ironically, another movie I hadn't seen yet. I had seen Evil Dead 2, but not the first one. And uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, and From Beyond, I saw when it, it was, wasn't available for a while. And then it popped up on DVD. Um, and I saw it then and then uh, enjoyed it. Not as much as Reanimator, but I still liked it. Uh, I think I, at that point, I was a little thrown off by kind of how outlandish it all was and you know, it just didn't really stick with me the way Reanimator did, but um, but I enjoyed both of them. I still I like both of them. I still like both of them. I like Reanimator more than From Beyond, but we can get into that later. Uh, but yeah, that was my first uh, my first go around with these was a friend lending me his DVD and a random purchase of an MGM DVD in whatever year that DVD came out, two thousand four, I think. There you go. There you go. You passing it to me? How about you, Kevin? Okay, here I go. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't everybody jump you. in i know right i feel free to step hey. in anytime I didn't he know passed it to you and i was waiting on you to pass it to somebody else oh good lord right, kevin it, the ball is yours okay okay the first time i heard a reanimator i was in the video store pick a flick video and i overheard a conversation between two people about a certain this movie they just the person who just turned it back in was telling somebody about in the store about a, a scene, a particular movie mm. where a headless person has some kind of sex scene with a naked lady. So my first instinct was I have to go get that movie. So <laughs> what, well, yeah, what was that? 85. So I was, what, what year did it come out on VHS? Probably about 86. Uh, I mean, it's an 85 movie. Um, that's so I was about eight out, or nine so. years old. And the cover don't give anything away like that, so I just showed the cover to my dad. And he just ran it for me, so. So yeah, that was my first. Uh... Dads are cool that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had a VCR and TV in my room, so. And of course, I was I always, always scared. Was, that's the dad. scene they always walk in on, you know, when you're watching. Something. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that that um, that was kind of trippy for a eight or nine year old kid to watch that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that would be. I mean, I was how old was I when I saw that? I was twelve when I saw it, so I was a little older. Oh yeah, something I was wanting to bring up. Doing some research on this movie, some people don't believe this is a zombie movie. They don't consider it a zombie movie. Do you know what about? I don't really think of it as a zombie movie, although I guess I technically, I, I mean, technically, I guess they are zombies, but they're they're more the tra- the old school traditional zombies where these were guys george george romero would always say these were the guys who would go out and get reanimated to do all the wet work for the ghosty yeah. back in the day i mean then that's what and that's kind of what these guys are they're sort of 
mind controlled slaves to Doctor Hill. I, I never viewed them as zombies in the traditional they're not sort of modern I, sense i always voted i always viewed yeah. i've always viewed zombies as you know it, they become zombies because of like a contagious virus or something like that and this was very much just these were all you surgical know, you these know. were all just experiments mm-hmm. uh, yeah, i can see that yeah but i can yeah. i mean it, i guess strictly speaking they are of a type you know but uh yeah i never i don't really think of it as a, a zombie movie no but anyway, well, as far as from beyond, when I first that was I got, you know, I watched it again. I rented it from the video store, and I didn't get it when I was young. It took me years later and second viewing, much older, to appreciate it more. I guess I just my I just didn't understand the concept of it. Mm-hmm. So now I love it, and Barbara Crampton's super hot in it. <laughs> oh God, she still looks great. Oh man, yeah. uh, Barbara Barbara yeah. Crampton is one of them. yeah yeah she she yeah oh yeah yeah she still <laughs> looks fantastic. You heterosexual pigs. <clears throat> well, you had you got to see Ken Four E and panties in this one. In, in so, these little panties. shorts, <laughs> panties. That's what he had on. He had underwear Sp- on. They were speedos. They were basically well, yeah, speedos. Yeah. Yeah. Panties, my God, Kevin. <laughs> It's 2024. <laughs> Get with it. His little man panties on him. <laughs> yeah, he was rocking them. He didn't give a fuck. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. He and nor should didn't. he have. All right, Mel. All right. Apparently, you're up. Um, I don't remember the first time I saw Reanimator. Um, it came out before I was, you know, I was born in '88, so it was already out. Um, so I. Honestly, couldn't tell you the first time I saw it. I do not remember. Um, Zoloft has kind of like washed out a lot of <laughs> insignificant memories. Um, but um, but yeah, no, I mean, I've always thought it was really fun. Um, of course, the cat stuff is upsetting to me. Yeah, I'm um, not a fan of that either. But it's so it's, it's so ridiculously over the yeah. top. But then it's, I read yeah. that apparently in when they find the dead cat in the refrigerator, it was like a real dead cat. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. That's like IMDb trivia. So yeah. who knows if that's correct? Because I'm like, well, why would you do that when you have all these special effects people like on set who could just put together a fake cat for you? Um, so I hope that's not true um because that's gross um but yeah no i mean i've always thought it was a lot of fun um bruce abbott was super hot um and he was also married to uh, linda hamilton at the time i believe is before she married uh, james cameron mm-hmm. but um but yeah no i mean it had uh yeah, I had some good sex stuff in it, which was fun. Um, and it's just a fun, it's just like a fun campy movie. Oh, yeah. It, it's um, very over the top, but it's entertaining. And you, you giggle at many points in it. And um, yeah, there is some stuff that uh, I think I was reading today that like uh, people had come to the conclusion that David Gale's wife uh david gale who played dr carl hill the one who was just ahead mm-hmm. at the by the end of the movie that his wife divorced him because of that scene 
in mm-hmm. Reanimator. So um, I don't know if that's true. Um, you know, he didn't live, you know, really past uh, Bride of Reanimator. Um, so I, I, I don't know how true that is. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a it's a fun it's a it's a fun movie. At one point, there was a Reanimator, the musical that was mm-hmm. um being performed in lots of small theaters, I think, throughout the country. I know it was out here in L.A. for a long time. That was tons of fun. And George Went was randomly in the production of it that I saw. Well, um, George Went, actually, that's not as random as you think, because George actually had a long relationship with Stuart Gordon. Stuart oh, interesting. Gor- okay. Yeah, Stuart Gordon was a theater director in Chicago, and he ran the organic theater troupe back then. Okay, well, then that and makes more th- sense. That's when he met Went. In fact, Went was in one of, uh, it might have been in a couple of his films, but he had a really villainous role in a film that Stuart Gordon did called King of the Ants oh. uh, a few years ago. But they knew each other from way, way back. So All right, actually, well, that, 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 was, makes a lot, that makes a lot more sense. Because yeah, I don't remember who he played and he may have played um, the dean. But mm, I, can't, I think he did. I, think I can't who... totally remember. But it, it was fun. And, you know, they had everyone in the audience had to, like, wear ponchos because of all <laughs> like the Evil fake... Dead the musical or something all, like that. Yeah, it was like all the just all the, the fake blood that they used. Um, but so that was really fun. So it's just it's just a fun it's a fun script. It's a fun movie that's very easy to uh to you know adapt into different things just because of how fun and campy it is and from beyond <clears throat> oh from beyond is fine um okay so i had <laughs> never seen it before um i had never seen it before um and so i watched it the other day and just kind of kept zoning out so i watched it again and made it a little further without zoning out. I just think it would, it just was, it's just not as fun as reanimator. Um, and I also don't, couldn't fully understand what the point of that resonator machine was. Um, like, Oh, I, okay. So there's some like ghost fish flying around in like another dimension or something. Why the fuck do I care? Um, so anyway, yeah, I wasn't, it's a, it's, there's, it's a perfectly fine movie and, and it has its merits. Again, I, I like Ken Free. He's, he's great. Uh, Jeffrey Combs, great. Barbara Crampton, you know, like, I mean, but honestly, the only thing I was really invested in in that movie was making sure that Bunny the dog was okay. So I was very relieved uh. that, Bun- that Bunny survived. Um, but that's really all I cared about. It was really nasty. Like the effects in it kind of grossed me out a lot. Um, I don't like, I don't like that thing coming out of his forehead. Um, the it was really na- yeah. yeah. It just reminded me too much of like a pimple. And I'm one of those people. Like if I see a zit, I have to pop it. Like I need it off. That reminded you of a zit? That reminded me well, of yeah. something else. Oh well, is nasty. Well, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Combs always called it the little dog dick that was on his forehead. <laughs> well, either way, it was just kind of—I don't know—the effects kind of like grossed me out in it. Whereas Reanimator was campier and just more fun. Um, this movie kind of just like grossed me out a little. Um, but I was very happy that Bunny the dog survived, and that was really all I cared about. So, <laughs> well, maybe you can say it done its purpose if it grossed you out. Was, Maybe they were making up for what yeah. they did to the cat in Reanimator. I don't know. 
Um, and interestingly and enough, the that. owner of the dog in the movie, her actress's name is Bunny Summers. Oh, Bunny. Yeah. yeah. And she was also in Reanimator as well. Yes, yeah, she was. She was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. She was there. So, yeah, she was the doctor. <coughs> Beyond, you killed so, him. <laughs> so From Beyond was perfectly fine. Um, just, you know, in comparison to Reanimator, doesn't really move the needle for me much. But... Um, but I, there's nothing wrong with it. It just it just wasn't really for me. So I need like I need a level of campiness when it comes to almost like creature feature type mm-hmm. movies um, because they're not totally my thing. So um, I think that's where Reanimator just works better for me. When I uh, back when Reanimator and From Beyond came out, I was really just starting to get into horror big time i'd always been interested in the genre but it it didn't become an addiction until the summer of 86 and that was when from beyond was getting i picked up my first fangoria magazine which had some coverage of from beyond but i swear back in the in the 80s with the possible exception of maybe one or two of the friday of the uh, nightmare on elm street sequels i can't think of another film that got as much coverage in fangoria as, as from beyond did it made the cover and it got covered with big multiple spreads at least three other times it was just like, because after Reanimator, the excitement level over From Beyond was just huge. So I ended up seeing Reanimator right before From Beyond came out because I was, you know, all hyped to see that. And so, of course, I'm gobbling up stuff left and right. And I remember renting the Reanimator Vestron tape, the unrated version, which had a teal spine on it. And I just remember watching this movie going, well, I sure didn't see it going that direction. And I... Hmm. I that movie surprised me in a number of ways, and certainly in some of the things that it ended up showing. Uh, and the performances were just so ing- I love Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West. I mean, this is a guy you just wanted to slap him across the face, but you couldn't. You just, but you still wanted to see what was going to happen to the guy. I thought Bruce Abbott was a really interesting leading man. The poor guy just gets dragged down into the shit, and he's just. And you can, he, the decisions that he made, you understand why he made them at the time. So you're always on board with him because you're like, well, I might have done the same thing in his situation too because he's being bombarded with ridiculous over-the-top shit left and right and then barbara crampton obviously she has more of a i don't want to say a stereotypical damsel in distress role in that movie but even it takes a very odd turn towards the end of the picture and it's just and david gale was just a wonderfully over-the-top villain i mean it was just and and the movie just keeps getting weirder and weirder and it's genuinely very funny it has just a very honest sleeve sense of humor. I love when Dr. Hill is trying to sneak in to the lab and he's got the fake head on his shoulders, and but his real head's in the duffel bag. <laughs> and he's just like, Dr. Hill, was that you? Yes, it's me. <laughs> so it's like he's still talking through the bag. And I, I mean, there's all sorts of little moments in that movie that are just, just classic and very, very fun. And that movie, as weird and as twisted as it gets it always seems to somehow remain just kind of fun. You, you can really kind of just sit back and have a good time with that movie, even if it gets a little bit fucked up in that, you know, the last 20, 30 minutes. From Beyond, which I saw almost immediately after that, because uh, I waited until From Beyond was on video, because it didn't have much of a theatrical life, really. Uh, From Beyond surprised me, and it's a colder film than Reanimator is in many ways. But what I liked about From Beyond was that it really was tonally 
a darker, much more dramatic, very wickedly comic, very black comic film, but it really delved into the psychosexual S&M world a lot. And that's an uncomfortable, inherently that's just sort of, it kind of puts you at a distance a little bit because you're just like, well, I, I can't necessarily relate to this, but I'm interested in where it's going to go. And it gave Barbara Crampton one of the best roles of her career with uh, Dr. McMichaels because she's sort of an innocent at the beginning, but she's tempted by everything that's going on. And mm-hmm. the the final moment she has in the movie where she's just screaming in yeah, just out crazy, of complete yeah. insanity is just incredible. It was a really great performance and it was an interesting way to see Jeffrey Combs taking a much more kind of a regressive role in from beyond. He's sort of the damsel in distress yeah, in a way in that movie. Yeah. And, and he's actually commented a couple of times that he didn't enjoy it as much because he has to sort of just, you know, he's very reactive in the movie. He's not a proactive character. He's and towards the end. He ends up being that. And then you had Ted Sorrell playing Dr. Pretorius. Who's really, he would have, he kind of stands in for, for David Gale, but I think uh, Sorrell was a much more sort of brazenly over the top sexual presence in the film. And it's, it's really about a man's obsession with discovering what lies beyond his own reality. I think it was even a line in the movie where it's like the senses and the, uh, the pleasures of this world weren't enough for him. No, he wanted more. And so we're, that movie is much more about obsession and the desire to become more than human. Whereas that the first one, it's about keeping what we have, but making it last longer and it goes absolutely horribly awry. And it's got more of a Frankenstein element to it than I say from beyond does. but they're very, very different films. And, and I remember liking from beyond a lot at first, but it wasn't something that I warmed up to initially. It was over the years that I've actually come to enjoy it the most of the both films. Actually, it's the one that I go back to more often because there's just something really, really twisted and really there's a lot more layers to from beyond than there is to reanimator that I found, but it's also a film I can see why some people don't warm up to because it doesn't, it's not soft and cuddly, not that reanimator is necessarily soft and cuddly, but it's, I think it's a much more accessible film than from beyond is, but uh, it's, and it's interesting to compare and contrast the two considering all the key creative people are the same uh, behind the scenes. So it was, it was an early indicator that Stuart Gordon was not going to be a one trick pony in terms of his approach to directing and uh, that he could take similar material from the same author using a lot of the same people and give us something very different, you know? Well, I think the pre-credit scene in from beyond was the only part based on the story, right? Everything else was yeah, the, the story. There is no, I mean, the story is very slight. Yeah. There's a, it's a, it's a very slight. It's basically, yeah, something happens, the guy bits off his head and then that's it. That's, we yeah. don't really learn much more. So they had kind of free reign to go with that. And, and Herbert West reanimated the short story that the reanimator is based on. is also not a particularly long one either, although that one's much more fleshed out than uh, from beyond is. So both of them, I would tend to say they're more like inspired by the stories of Lovecraft than they are strictly based on them because, you know, Dennis Paoli who who wrote the scripts for both those movies had a lot of leeway to kind of go wherever he wanted, mm-hmm. but still stick very closely to what the themes that Lovecraft had in a lot of his stories. I noticed with from beyond one of the, the rewatching it, uh, recently uh because I, I i think i mentioned earlier i've only seen it a handful of times um this time i watched it was probably the most i ever enjoyed it 
Um, not that I didn't like it before, but like I think this time I was like, oh, okay. Like I feel like I retained enough of it. I think the last couple of times I might have kind of pulled the mal and zoned out on a couple of scenes, and then all of a sudden I before I knew it, the movie was over. Um, the, my my only kind of gripe with it overall is the length. I think this is for me another ten minutes of this movie probably would have benefited you know the film mm-hmm. it's kind of lean it's it's 85 minutes with credits so like you know it is the opening... fast it is and you're, you're right it is a film that i think could have benefited from a little more time with some of the characters in in in, in, in certainly in the middle portion of the movie because once everything goes nuts it just never lets up and and at that point i would have liked to have gotten to know these people a little bit better and had the their sort of their their influence by the resonator take a little longer just a little just a little bit much but i i you know i guess it's better to say we wanted more than we got too much uh but yeah that was um and i i, I don't know is there an unrated version versus a rated for from beyond i know that reanimator yes, certainly well, has there one. is now uh back in the video days no there wasn't but then when the movie came out on dvd here they actually were able to find some trims for some scenes that were cut they thought they'd lost uh, that, it. I remember that. Yeah, and they ended up finding it in the vaults, and it wasn't the negative trims. It was like from a work print or something, but they were able to clean it up. And mostly, it was um, the the one scene in particular that was a big was the there's a scene where Carolyn Purdy Gordon, who is uh, who was Stuart Gordon's wife, uh, she plays a doctor in the uh, kind of a not a particularly pleasant one. At one point, um, Crawford Tilling asked uh, the Jeffrey Combs character grabs her. And it's and it was described. It was described really well in Frangoria. He puts his you know his mouth up to her eyeball, sucks out her eyeball, spits the eyeball out, and then begins to suck her brains out through her eye socket. Honey, now yeah, you were supposed, like yeah, you were supposed to see originally her him start to suck out the eyeball, spit the eyeball out, and then go back to suck, and they cut the eyeball coming out. Well, they found that and restored that for the DVD. So every version that's come out since the DVD has had that in it. And then there's a few more instances of, uh, you know, some like when she bites the pineal gland off, there's more blood that squirts out. It's little bits and pieces overall. But that was sort of the big one that was cut out. And uh, I don't know why back in the day they didn't plan for an unrated edition of this because they had already they'd already had so much success with Reanimator. I don't know why that didn't happen back then because they would have had to have known that video was going to be the the big stomping ground for that movie theatrically reanimator did okay but let's you know it made its bones on home video oh yeah so i don't know why investron had already done they'd already done unrated and rated versions of countless films back then including again reanimator so why they didn't think to do that for from beyond i don't know yeah i know with reanimator the rated version i was uh you know so drastically cut that they had to put scenes that they cut from you know the, yeah. the director's cut to get it back up to that 90 minute uh feet you know feature length yeah um yeah, yeah. and uh i remember seeing that version much later and i was on the sci-fi channel actually it was it, it, mm-hmm. they played basically the rated cut you know even more cut down but yeah uh seeing these extra scenes where dr uh is it gail dr gail dr hill dr okay. hill the actor's name is gail yeah. yeah dr hill is like basically hypnotizing the you know uh the dean, Megan's yeah. Father, the dean yeah. yeah the dean of yeah. the college to uh 
try to you know before he becomes zombified i i i was going to jump in on that zombie conversation i i you know the 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 whole aspect of uh, you know zombies for me it's just it's it's a person who's brought back to life by any means mm-hmm. and does not have control over their own body anymore that to me kind of registers as what a zombie is because that's sort of what they are yeah um so i've we're, always kind of lumped this in with zom- yeah you know um, they don't necessarily have to be flesh eaters. Um, they're just no, has and to that be... was no, because that's the zombie existed before that concept came up. So. Yeah, yeah. They just they just sort of have to have because even Return of the Living Dead, like they're very human in a lot of ways. But there's a point where they lose control. There's actually there's a, not to deviate too much into that film, but there's a small bit of that which was ironically expanded on then in the novel, which. I, I, you know, is confusing because, you know, that's a whole other story. But when the zombies ate brains, they sort of got into this euphoric state where the mm-hmm. pain stopped and they would just kind of like, you know, be, be all right, you know, for a little while. Well, that's what I mean. Even um, the, the zombie, the half zombie on the, on the, she says it makes the pain. She, go no, away. she does. But there's a yeah. scene when they're eating the paramedic. If you look behind the zombie who's eating the paramedic, said there's one on the ground just like leaning back in the rain. With it's, its like head heroin, back, it's like a it's heroin just, addict or yeah, something. Yeah, and it's, it's, it, yeah. And I'm like, they, I wish they had done that a bit more because, you know, I, I feel like that, you know, there is an element of those zombies that make them lose the control of their bodies, which is, you know, wanting to eat brains. Actually, anyway. some of that, that's actually in part three. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, know, that is in part, they expanded that in part three, but, you know, in the yeah. first film, that you know, yeah. it wasn't really, even in the second movie, which yeah. we won't get into that, no. but anyway. Anyway. We're here for Reanimator and From Beyond, so that's why I kind of lump Reanimator in with zombie movies, because there's other zombie films that sort of bent and stretched the rules a little bit of what a zombie is. Sure. To me, it was an undead creature, like that signified zombie, um, if it was, you know, inhuman in some way, and these things were certainly less than human um, yeah. in more ways than one. Um but when I saw the rated version, I was really surprised. And then I don't know who, whose idea it was, but I thank them to this day for creating what's now called the integral cut, where they basically took both versions of the film and combined them together. Um, and all of that stuff from the rated version is now in the unrated version. So it's one, you know, almost, I think it's like a hundred minutes at that point. It's almost yeah, a two hour movie. I liked those scenes in the, in the R rated version. There's another scene where we discover that Herbert West has been shooting up with his own Syrup. yeah yeah he which little th- micro doses or something yeah to which stay i awake. thought was a really interesting idea where yeah it was just like, i've never seen you know, this yeah it's it's really um and then the hypnotism scene worked very well because it's like well now i kind of understand this guy's control over people right. a little bit better and it was i, I like those two scenes very much i can see why he cut them for just expediency's sake but i i watching that that longer integral cut as you call or version integral or whatever they want to call it yeah um i think it works really really well um so kevy i'm not sure if you can still get i i know arrow put out a blu-ray um i think it had all the special edition had all three cuts but i don't Mm -hmm. know i think the standard edition drops the third cut which does it doesn't have that on there which is the integral cut but it does have the r-rated version on there as a second feature i yeah. believe yeah, it's so one of the rare r-rated versions worth watching because it's not just that the stuff's cut out but they added these scenes back in there yeah and it um yeah i i like those two scenes i, I always wish kind of wish they'd left those in um which now i guess you can watch a now version you where watch. you do. And, and i saw it in 2020 at the drive-in they did reanimator and i want to say toxic avenger they were mm. doing like a cult classic drive-in movie night 
and they played the integral cut of reanimator which i was i was very surprised hmm. like pleasantly surprised by i was like oh this is really cool i don't know like you know if that's the version that gets you know licensed out for screenings now but um or they asked for it for specifically i, I imagine whoever booked those two movies was probably a horror fan yeah and maybe even suggested let's play the longer cut of reanimator but they didn't advertise it so i don't know like if they they even knew it could have been one of those things where they just had no idea and yeah it was just what they were given so they played it um but it was still cool to see it at a drive-in that was awesome uh and yeah so has anybody ever commented about the opening uh sequence of reanimator ripping off the psycho thing Oh yeah, oh, that whole that whole the whole uh, well, the theme is it is, is yeah. totally ripped it's off. psycho. Oh no, it is. Oh no, and Richard Band is the first person to say, "Oh no, it's 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 a total, <laughs> it's a total homage to, to fucking psycho." I mean, and and how can it? I mean, give me a break. It's this. I mean, it's basically a jazzier version of that theme song. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, it, it's very much a psycho. Uh, there's no. They weren't trying to fool anybody with that. No. Whenever you hear either Charles Albert or anyone with the last name Band saying something is a homage, it's it's, it's ripping it off. Like we're not. Yeah, you know, I was gonna hom- say that's not an homage. Yeah, homo- uh, yeah. Homages are like suggested material. This is like. Like you no, could have been sued rip-off. for this. No, a ripoff <laughs> is when you won't admit that you took it. It's an homage if you say sure. Yeah, we ripped it off. Yeah. So you can kind of get away with that. But I, I like I like Richard Band's music for the. Uh, oh for the uh, yeah, no, I'm not. He's a great composer. I actually uh, another favorite of Mel's. I love his score for Ghoulies. I think the the score for Ghoulies is fantastic. And it's he got scored a great another score. Lovecraft movie that's actually my favorite Lovecraft movie, which is The Resurrected. Uh, oh, okay. So he went. He, he's had a long association with uh, well, Lovecraft I, as well. I loved those scores. I love synth scores, especially from the eighties, especially. But I loved the scores that combined the two, the orchestra with the synth. I always thought that provided more of a fuller experience for the movie, uh, and that's what From Beyond and also Reanimator does. Because there's definitely synth in there, but there's also strings, and there's you know, it's just like oh, this is this is a great m- meld of the two. And, and I did like in Reanimator because he used that theme. Whenever something really bad or fucked up is about to happen, it just comes in the score. It's like, oh shit, something bad is about to go down. Right, right, right. This is a horrible idea. Don't do that. And shit usually goes horribly south. But I, it was, yeah. I mean, it's funny that I remember also with from beyond because it was a, it wasn't being shot or or certainly promoted as a sequel to reanimator but it was definitely being promoted as from everyone that kind of did reanimator it's like a spiritual sequel to reanimator mm-hmm. and i think that may have in a way kind of hurt it because if you were going in expecting the reanimator experience you weren't mm-hmm. going to get that um that would be more you know served for like bride reanimator a couple of years later but i i it was reanimator sort of was begat from beyond but beyond from beyond was a full empire production that was shot over in rome and it utilized the services of like four major special effects teams at the time i can't i mean when i covered it for the blu-ray it's amazing how many people worked on this thing and how many different teams there i mean it was just like i think everybody who was a makeup effects guy who needed a job worked on from beyond at one point or another at some point during the production either in the state side or they went over to rome to do it because there's a stunning amount of creature effects in that movie. 
Yeah. Uh, there are just not only the Pretorius creature and all the variations of him, there's the worms in the basement, there's the flying fish over. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy crap. Not to mention Crawford Tilling has his great, you know, gradual transformation. There's a lot of shit that goes on. It's an incredibly ambitious film for what could not have been a, a you know, it was an empire film. They didn't have a shit ton of money. Uh, but they did have that studio out there for a while in uh, in Rome, and there was um, one story I remember very vividly, and it's covered on the Blu-ray a little bit. But uh, I believe it was John Nolan who was one of the effects guys. He got his fingers caught in a huge door on the back of the studio, and it ripped two of his fingers almost completely off. And Stuart Gordon saw it when he came around the corner; he passed out, Ugh. and uh, they had to like try to sew his fingers back up there on the medical situation wasn't that great and it was just it took a lot but he he recovered from it but it was like really just horrific the accident that happened on that set and um it's just yeah it's that's one of those films where it's like man they just put everything they had into that sucker and that was yeah. also during a period where they were making like five other films at the same studio at the same time yeah i think, I think they... like terror vision was down the hall and yeah you know, i think they used this the house facade for dolls because i feel like that it and dolls were being shot very close together well yeah they're almost back to, they were practically back to back yeah he shot yeah. that before you know, reanimator uh, dolls yeah. and from, from beyond were almost like weeks apart in terms of their production he shot all three of those in the space of two years right so right we kind of touched on it earlier but there's been a few um now there's been a few releases of these on on home video we had the uh, the vestron vhs back in the day most Both likely films. some some, yeah. some betas um Laserdisc. I know they're yeah. they're both on Laserdisc, and then uh, eventually DVD. I think DVDs. Reanimator had. I recall there being at least, if not, if not three, there was at least two different DVD versions of it. Um, there were yes. There, well, there was the Laserdisc. Elite did a Laserdisc edition of it. I remember that. And then there was the Elite DVD of it, which ported over everything from that. And then uh, there may have been a reissue of that at some point. As I recall, there may have been. It was a the Millennium Edition. The Millennium, yeah, and then that went away, and then Anchor Bay picked it up. And they, yeah, uh, and I remember and we, that. And one I was cause... working at Anchor Bay when this, and we did a uh, a special package that had a highlighter pen that looked like a syringe <laughs> in it. I remember that. Yeah, uh, so we did that, and then uh, Image had it out for a while. They reissued basically the same package. And then uh, I think the most recent edition has been the Arrow Blu-ray, I think. Were they the first ones to put it on Blu-ray? I don't think... I can't remember if Image did a Blu-ray or not. I don't remember. I don't... Or did did Anchor Bay do one? I can't recall. Anchor Bay did do one. Yeah, I think they they did. did. Yeah. It was a 1080i transfer that would have been adapted for like Monsters TV or something like that. But the first real restoration of the film for... The HD aged, as far as I'm concerned, was Arrow's edition, which is, uh, I think, yeah. to date the most recent one. Although I hear there's a 4K coming from somebody at some point. There's always one coming. Yeah. There's which always I one in the horizon. I would love to see that. And then yeah. From Beyond had the Vestron tape, and then there wasn't a DVD edition of that until MGM's. Yeah, uh, it was like 2004 three. Actually, I think it was six. Oh. Was it six? Yeah. Yeah, because that came out with like the burning and scarecrows. They right. came and out with like, and I and I produced yeah. the burning in that year. So that's right. Yes, that's right. Because uh, yeah. they already had all scarecrows. That was like, whoa, wait, you guys are putting out scarecrows? scarecrows. Like it was, it was fucking that's random. Right. But uh, 
but that was when the the longer version first surfaced, and it's been yeah. the longer version ever since. And then uh, Shout Factory, Screen Factory had theirs, and now Vinegar Syndrome has had. Uh, Is that their the one you watched out. recently? Chris. Yeah, yeah. I well, because I never, I hadn't, I hadn't cracked open the 4K yet, and this is one of those movies that, like, you're like, okay, I want, you know, in 4K, this must really pop, and it certainly does. Um, I, uh, I have, if nothing else, I picked up, even if I wasn't interested in upgrade of the film, which, you know, if I'm, if you're gonna buy a 4K, I mean, it's kind of silly, you know, not to be interested in it, but, um, if I purchased it for no other reason, it was to get rid of that awful artwork that Shout Factory or Scream Factory had for theirs. Mm. I no disrespect to Jeff Zorno and company, but like I don't know what the fuck anyone it wasn't was thinking. One of my, it wasn't one of my favorites. Either. When they looked at that, when I look at that art, I'm like, this just looks like a rough sketch that he submit that someone submitted to go. This is what I'm thinking for the well, artwork, and someone that, said, "Oh, cool." Well, think about that artwork. Was I like the artwork in and of itself, but as a Blu-ray cover, I didn't think it worked very well. It's just it, no one. No one know. looks like their characters. They no. all look like the two, like Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs, don't look like each other. Like I just don't. I don't get this. I don't get mm-hmm. this at all. Oh, that's why you put the reversible image. Reverse it. Yeah, the, that's, yeah. The yeah, but when you got the slip cover, you can't reverse the slip cover. Yeah, Kevin. Well, <laughs> this piece of cardboard. <laughs> so most collectors like to have this piece don't of cardboard, Don't we know somebody okay? just throws them away when they buy them because they're just useless? Well, people don't do that anymore because <laughs> they found out that they were worth something. Some people will pay yeah. sometimes more for a slip cover than the fucking movie's worth. That's crazy. Right, which is ridiculous. I, I had... I ended up with a couple of extra Scream Factory slips because a friend of mine was going to toss them. I said, oh, if you're going to toss them, like, send them to me and I'll swap them out for some of the ones I have that are kind of damaged. And I sold all of those for, like, between 20 and 30 bucks a piece. Jesus. Mm. And I'm like, the, 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 you can buy the Blu-ray for $17. You're paying <laughs> yeah. more for the slip cover than you... But they, they had it and they wanted the slip, so... And then they most were. of those movies, I think, except for... Uh, all the ones I sold, uh, Day of the Dead was the only one that ha- hasn't been reissued on 4K so far. So mm-hmm. um, all of those movies all have new slipcovers now. So it's like, well, <laughs> you still got the old edition, you know, I guess. But yeah, from beyond that art, I just was not, uh, I'm still not a fan of. Um, yeah. I really don't know what the fuck happened. It was that one and then Prison was another one that I I looked at that and I was like, I don't, this doesn't look finished to me. Like this looks like it's just incomplete somehow um another empire movie yeah yeah another empire picture that was made around the same time um but i've uh yeah going back to uh um it's what's interesting is that you know that obviously if she were here i would you know probably want to address the question in a more delicate way i guess but if barbara crampton has had very you know a long standing uh uh, relationship with Stuart Gordon over the course of several films, including I think one of her best performances came in, in Castle Freak a few years after this, also with Jeffrey Combs. And they're very sexual roles in very many ways. One, she's more victimized than the other, much more proactive in, say, From Beyond. And I, they're, it's it's a difficult thing to, and I know it's been difficult for fans sometimes to go up to her and they're almost afraid to mention how much, wow, I really enjoyed your work in Reanimator. So, well, what, I mean, you know, it's just kind of like, how do you talk about that and not come off as kind of weird and kind of creepy about it? But Barbara has a, just a wonderful attitude about the whole thing. So we knew what we were doing and it was all fun and, 
I'm not saying it wasn't difficult to do that stuff, but you know, no one took advantage of anybody around that. And, you know, everybody went into it with their eyes wide open and, you know, it was, it was, yeah, sometimes it was difficult and challenging and it wasn't pleasant, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's, I think the people tend to bring their own kind of guilt and misfeelings about things into the work rather than, you know, letting the, the actors just say, Hey, it was, it was a job and a great opportunity and I was behind it. So don't worry about it. You know? Yeah. And, uh, she's always had a really wonderful attitude. She loved Stuart. She had a long relationship with him, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, making those movies together and they, they remained friends up until the day he died. And, you know, it's just like, it, it's tricky. Cause I remember the first time I met her, I was just like, how do I, not come off as that creepy kid who was watching her you know you know it's just weird you know what i mean it's 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 just kind of just don't go up to her and say hey did you enjoy getting a little head yeah you know something like that although like that's uh that's kind of yeah i feel like that's something that kevin would do i would not that's a not so Heavy would um, do that. No, he would. But, it, it, but she and she's an incredibly warm and inviting person in in real life, and she's always been great with me. And I just, it, it, I, I think that she ele- elevated all of her roles in those movies. She really gave it her all and threw herself into them with complete abandon and fearless in both those performances, right. especially in From Beyond. From Beyond is a, is a motherfucker of a performance in that because she she's very tight knit. She's very buttoned down and very, she's intellectually curious, but then the resonator opens up the sexual side to her that she didn't really have. And she doesn't know how to reconcile it. And she's really the, the through line through that whole picture. She's the character that you really are kind of rooting for because you see that she's, she's been way over her head, but at the same time, you know, you can see that she's suffering from this weird conflict of, kind of enjoying a lot of this but i know i shouldn't and it's dangerous and so it treads on some really i think that's one of the reasons that movie makes some people uncomfortable is that weird psychosexual line it's like how much of this is the pain the pain and the pleasure thing you know hellraiser definitely tripped into that as well it's like well how much of this am i allowed to enjoy and say i liked it to liked it and how much of it is when it's when do i know it when it's too much and should i back off and I think From Beyond makes people a little bit uncomfortable with that. Hmm. Whereas Reanimator doesn't really have that aspect to it. Boy, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm much more exciting than I thought. Because, like, you know, I've never, I've never really had any reservations about saying how much I enjoyed Hellraiser. You know, due to the sexual themes. I mean, you know, Peter thought they were cute. Yep. Adorable. So, oh, that's you know, right. That's I right. guess he it's different see. for gay people. I mean, I guess we, you know, we're, you know, we're called deviants before we even realize what the fuck we're doing. So it's like, hey, you know what? I, this might be something we're into. Who knows? Way to put a positive spin on it, Chris. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, fuck it. You know, what the hell? But uh, no, I mean, I, I even watching it today, like I didn't feel like, you know, there wasn't any sense of uncomfortability for me and, and with what they were talking about or any sense of like. I mean, I guess taboo, but in the 80s, obviously, that was much different. So it's it's a different crowd that would have experienced it back then. And, you know, that's for a lot of people. That's why Hellraiser stuck out the way it did. Not not just the 
the sexual aspect of it, but the violence aspect. Oh yeah. You know, there was that very... was a, you look at 87 specifically, that's a very hard film for that year. That's a hard film for 86 and 87. So well, yeah, I mean, from uh, beyond was 86 too. So there was a lot of weird, it, this is, this was the eighties have always been kind of looked at as sort of a safe decade for horror in a way. It was all gooey monsters and slasher movies and stuff like that. Not really. I mean, you had Cronenberg doing his thing and you, you had, you know, the, from beyond you had Hellraiser. There was a, a there was a rebellion against the sort of conservative Christianity that movement that was kind of coming into vogue in the in the nineteen eighties where you know album lyrics are bad and we don't want to see don't discuss we don't want to see breasts on the screen we don't want to talk about sex we don't want to learn about sex and horror movies were like fuck you uh, we're gonna do what we kind of want to and that was an avenue for that material to kind of get explored yeah. and from beyond is certainly one of those that were. It's like I can see where audiences of the time were like, "Oh my god, what the fuck is is this?" But my here's my I mean my I was 13 when that movie came out. So you can imagine me you know watching something like From Beyond and there's Barbara Crampton running around in S&M gear and I'm like, "Hmm. <laughs> Things are a changing." You know, it's just <laughs> like, you know, and at the same time as I don't want to be that guy, you know, it, it, you know, when I go to meet some, I meet some of these people that I, you know, had crushes on back when I was a kid. It's a little weird. It's a little like, hi, you know, it's just like, yeah. I don't want to. Like she but, knows you, know, you saw her like that. Oh, so, she, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. She know. And then at the end of the day, it's just like, I do, there was something weird. This came up just the other week. I was, I was thrumming through a, a, a thread on one of the fan forums for one of the conventions. And they were like, who would you like to see do a photo op? And so, you know, and everybody's chiming in with photo op shit, photo op shit. And someone said, you know, Barbara Crampton. I was like, well, she's done photo ops before. And she said, no, I want her to do a from beyond photo op. Oh God. And I'm just like, okay, first of all, there's so many ways that would go horribly, horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. That would be just like, no, that's completely not even a cool thing to even suggest. That being said, she would make all the money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just like, if there's money out there, she would make all of that. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> at the same time, there would be arrests and lawsuits yeah. and horribleness, and it would just not be a good idea. But there's a So that was another thing. That's like, it's that weird dichotomy of like, highly inappropriate, not a terrible question totally would pay for that but i'm not gonna know that's what that's wrong wrong no you know so it's just it's it's these movies make adulthood awkward sometimes you encounter them as children well i know that i mean i've i've sat i sat with linnea quigley at a con and the amount of people that were more than comfortable to come up to her and let them know that she was basically responsible for their sexual awakening. Yeah, um, I've heard that. In in whatever movie it is they're talking about, whether it was Return of the Living Dead or Night of the Demons or Creepazoids or, or something. God where, help me, Savage Streets. Oh. Yeah, you know anything. Well, I actually, funny, oddly enough, uh-uh. I, I, again, this is just my experience, and it was only for one weekend. But no one brought that up to her. Like no one well, even no, came that's up. That's a and, really her. She uh, gets brutally raped in that movie. They don't even bring it up that she was in it, and she's very proud of that film because it was when she, you know the way she kind of looks at it is she was starting off in the business it was something she did and she she you know she was really trying to make a name for herself not that mm-hmm. she didn't continue to do that but that was like one of her first roles where she was really like you know she was on set on day she didn't even need to be there just to know mm-hmm. what was going on 
Uh, and so, but no one even brought it up as like a, Hey, I loved you in the film as right. you know, your performance in the film. They were just more interested in letting her know that, Hey, when I saw you strip and return of the living dead, I got my first heart on. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just kind of looking and I'm like, it's like, Ooh, uh, okay. And she, but she handles it with great. She's like, Oh my gosh. Like, thank you. Like, what do you say? Other than like, you know, uh, good for you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I, and then I'm glad I, I helped. Thank you for you know letting me know. And I'm always worried that I'm, I, I would never say, I would never say anything like to anyone, but I'm always worried that just by going up and saying that I loved you in these movies back then when I was a kid, I'm, I'm actually saying that without mm. saying that. And I've had moments like that where I haven't wanted to go up to some people and go, I don't want her to associate me with that. You know, I don't want her yeah. to think. Um, but at the same time, you know, they don't have any, I don't think they have any real serious hangups about it. And if they do, they would be the first person. I don't think Barbara would be out at all these shows and doing all these appearances. If she, uh, she has to eat by tens on her, on her table. I'm yes, right. she does. I, I, I will stand by this, that if the person's at a con promoting their work on that film, it's pretty, you're, it's pretty safe to say, they don't have an issue with it. Right. Um, we've certainly run into issues with people who don't want to address that part of their life anymore. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because they did nudity. Maybe it's because the industry did something to them. They didn't like, so they moved on from it and they're not interested in going back to it or revisiting it. I mean, hell fucking Tracy Lind, who was in fright night Two, class of 99. My boyfriend's back. This was a person who was like really going on the rungs and doing these great performances in these little movies she dropped off the face of the planet and then somebody eventually tracked her down and she was like, I don't want anything to do with this industry ever again. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say why, but I, that's why I left it. I don't want any part of it. Uh, and some people that's their response. So if they're sitting at a table in a con, you've got to kind of imagine like, yeah, they were in this movie. They know they were nude. They know they did this scene. Like they know, you know, I mean, obviously have some tact, going up and talking to somebody they're still a human being yeah that's uh, the thing i guess i i you know. guess i i i'm just I and mean, i've seen it happen so many times where it was just like like what you saw with linnea it's just like why would you say it like that i mean what were you uh, you know that's i always I chalk like it up to nerves what now you say? No, that's why i don't like conventions that i feel like so many of the people that are just so icky and have no like <laughs> are just completely <laughs> no, like so, so no, they're icky and they're socially inept. Of course, it's not all of them, but a, a lot of them are. Like, it's like, do you realize you're ta just talking to another person right now? You know, and I've noticed that more in recent years than I did back, say, 20 years ago. Um, I, I remember, you know, I've been doing conventions for long, oh God, well, a couple decades now. And back in the early 2000s, late 90s, I didn't notice a lot of that kind of gross behavior. I mean, there's always one or two drunk assholes or somebody that come through, but I mean, in terms of it being a regular thing, I think the advent, the, the more recent generations and the advent of social media and people just being comfortable with saying with whatever the hell they want, wherever they want has also opened that up a little bit too much. Mm. And I see a lot more people being just kind of free to say whatever the fuck they want, not realizing, Hey, you're in front of a human being. You're not in front of a computer right now. Don't you realize there's a difference here? Right. And, uh, I, you know, which is unfortunate. And I know there's been, I've had a couple celebrities mention that too, to me during in interviews and stuff saying, sometimes these people seem to think that they know me a little bit more than they actually do. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a, 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 a the, the wall has started to crumble between 
fan and celebrity. And it's like, so now sometimes I need that wall to stay up, you know? <laughs> right. Well, I've, I've chalked it up to nerves sometimes too. Cause when you get somebody who says something like that, you can tell like the comfortability level for them isn't even there. Yeah. They're just kind of blurting shit out. Oh, at that I, point. I can understand how that um, happens, but yeah, yeah you're just going to get, I, you know, and I'm not, you know, we were talking about this in the context of reanimating from me. I can't speak for Barbara. I'm not, would never speak for her. I don't know why, how she feels about any of this, but I can only perceive it as from my side of the table when I've gone up to people who've, right. you know, and it's just like, ugh, I, I don't, I don't want to come off as a creepy human being at the same time. They've got to know. I know. We all know. Right, but, right, right. You know, it's just like. And so that was when I first met Barbara, I mean, being very, very nervous, being very kind of like, oh, because she's going to do the math and know how old I was when I saw these movies. So it's not going to, you know, but at the same time, I don't, you know, I, I got to just be kind of like, hi, I liked your movie. It was fine. It was cool. You know, <laughs> so I don't want to be that guy either. So it's just like, right, right. You know, I but remember she, meeting you know, Jeffrey Combs at a con in or the early 2000s after seeing Reanimator. And I had a friend of mine with me who's ironically the one who showed it to me. And I had already met him. I had him sign my DVD. He was so cool. Like he signed the, the sleeve of the DVD. He signed the insert. He signed the disc. And he's like, do you want me to sign anything else? And I was like, I think you got it covered. Like there's nothing <laughs> left for you to sign. So but thank you. Yeah. Uh, but he was, you know, super friendly. And my buddy did not like was so terrified to go meet him. He just was so overwhelmed. And I was like, look, I met him yesterday. Why don't we go over and just say hi? And he goes, I can't go just go say hi to Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> like, how do you do that? You just go say hi. I'm like, you say hi. You just say you just it's it's not even a one syllable. You know, it's a one syllable word. Hi. And you're done. You're, you know, in, in, then you start a conversation with them after that comes out. It's pretty easy. Well, that, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I had to like kind of push him over to his table. And it was like, it was, it was that like diarrhea of the mouth. He didn't know what to say. So he just said everything. And I'm just yeah. like, and Jeffrey took it all in stride. He was very, you know, and at one point he just kind of said, hey, you know, I know you're nervous. It's cool. Like, you know, but we're good. Like everything's cool. Like just, you know, just, just, just relax. Like nothing, nothing. I'm not going to jump up and you know, it, it, we're fine. And then like Dave goes, Oh, okay, cool, cool. And then Jeff goes, yeah. Blah! And then like, you know, he's just, <laughs> and he just, he's like, he's like, I had to break the tension. So like, it just seemed like you were ready to like, you know, float off or something. So, yeah. you know, it was all in stride, but you know, it, it, he's a very cool guy. And, uh, and, I really, it was funny because I had seen Re Reanimator, but I had also seen The Frighteners. Oh, and I God, didn't yeah. piece together they were the same person. Oh, sure. Yeah, it well, just very didn't register characters. to me. I was like, wait a minute, you're the weird fucking du the, the dude from Frighteners. Holy yeah. shit, you're the same. <laughs> Milton like, Dammers. Okay. FBI agent Milton Dammers. That's, yeah. That is his most over-the-top, unhinged performance. He's brilliant Oh, yeah, that he's movie. so much fun in that movie. God, him and his hemorrhoid donut. <laughs> I just love that movie. Or we but, can't get yelled at by a woman who freaks out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's... Uh, so he was, you know, everyone that I've met from either From Beyond or Reanimator has always been uh, very cool. Oh, they're um, great people. Uh, Stuart was great. I worked with Stuart on a few projects, and he was always really open and just happy to discuss his movies and... He was a director who I always felt never quite got the big break that he deserved in terms. He could have done big films because like he was originally supposed to do Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And oh, that didn't that. work out. Um, he got a nice amount of money from it, though, and his name's still on the movie. But that, you know, because it became a Disney thing, suddenly he was, you know, we can't hire that guy apparently to do. I don't I'm gonna forget the exact story behind it, but 
you know, he had a, he, he almost broke through into the mainstream a few times, but it never seemed to quite work out. Um, and yet he had a very idiosyncratic sort of way of looking at his movies. I and mean, even his last film stuck, you know, was very, it was like, damn, this is not a mainstream idea at all. And I don't know how he could have conformed it, but then he could go do something like space truckers, which right. could have been easily a big Hollywood movie or something like fortress, you know, like that. But uh, his career followed a very odd path uh, over the years. And I just, I always felt bad that it's like, damn, if someone had, he had just connected with the right movie at the right time, he could have really just gone off in a, in a, in a big way because actors loved him. I mean, mm. every actor I've ever, ever interviewed any actor who ever worked with him was all Stuart Gordon. God, I love that would have gone. That's why people kept going back to work with him. Cause it's just like, I, follow Stewart to the ends of the earth. I'd jump off a cliff for Stewart. I can't tell you right. how many people would say that about him. Uh, I, I think in a way that I'm, I'm almost kind of grateful for filmmakers that like Stuart Gordon that stayed in the genre. And even though, yes, it would have been great if they had had that breakout hit and become a, a household name. I'm almost in a way kind of grateful they never did. Cause they feel like they kept, they kept a level of integrity in the genre by just sticking with it. Cause there were some directors like, for instance, Bob Clark, who I, his, you know, first three films were horror films that are all great for various reasons. And then he does Porky's and a Christmas story. And he kind of left the genre behind. And it was one of those deals where like, you felt like there was always a bit of like, I'm not, you know, this is too good for me now. I don't ever want to go back to this again. And then he, you know, does baby geniuses. And it's like, well, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Um, we yeah, need I to, mean, uh, we well, need to reevaluate your career choices here, buddy. Um, yeah, well, you know, a lot of that's... directors they get they get blanded out and homogenized, and they become part of the factory line. You know, they become yeah, they, and I'm, and I'm kind of glad that didn't happen with him. He sort of like all of these people, like Stuart Gordon, Brian Usna, they all kind of have this collective family that sort of worked together on various projects. Like Mel even brought it up earlier, you can kind of trace back like the Silent Night Deadly Night movies back to Reanimator somehow. Like there's mm-hmm. people from Reanimator who worked on those and they kept this sort of like crew running for a while. And I just think that's so cool that in this genre, we have that. We, we, well, we have these how, pockets. Yeah, that's, how, that's how Brian got brought on to part four was because they had just done Bri- live home video had just released or was about to release Bride of Reanimator. Right. And that was going to do very well. So like bring that guy, you know, so it was just, and Reanimator obviously went on to have, uh, you know, a, a life of its own. It went on to have a couple of sequels and a, a musical, and there were going to be other sequels. At one point, they were going to do House of Reanimator. Stuart Gordon was going to come back and direct it, and it was going to be set in the White House. Yeah, where and, Robert West <laughs> has to keep the the president, the president has was died. Be, William H Macy was going to be the president. Yeah, and, and he, had, uh, he had died, and he has to keep him, you know, yeah, running until the until the election's great. over. Awesome, that would have been amazing. But it, yeah, uh, I think originally, you know, the, the financing just didn't work out, and it was really meant to happen during the Bush presidency. And yeah. so by the time you know Obama came along, it was just like, well, doesn't seem it kind of passed its sell by date here. Uh, so it just never happened, which is a real shame. But uh, they also, but they did, um, you know, these guys all kind of collaborate. They did Castle Freak together, you know, Combs and Crampton. And that's a really good film. Yeah. And Crampton and, and Combs are both, they're kind of a, a bickering couple on the verge of divorce. And they're really, really strong performances. And then around, not long after From Beyond, they did uh, a short film called The Evil Clergyman, which is also based on a, a story. And I think it was both, I think Gail even came back for that one as well. And uh, it was, 
Charles Band directed it, but it was another adaptation of a Lovecraft story. It was meant for a, an anthology film called Pulse Pounders, which was ultimately not finished. And there was going to be a transfer sequel in there and a Dungeon Master sequel. Mm. And it's just for one reason never got finished, but they found the tapes of some tapes and were able to re-release uh, Evil Clergyman to DVD some years ago. So that's out there and you can watch that as well. So there, there's been... You know they, they revisited this territory for me, and then Stuart Gordon went on to Dagon years later, um, and uh, went over at Fantastic Factory with Brian Usner producing, and you know it was a loose adaptation of the Dagon story with a lot of shadow over Innsmouth brought in, which was a a title that he'd wanted to do a legitimate adaptation of for years, and it never never came through. So there was always a sort of a return to that territory because I think not only was it successful for them in terms of the attention and some of the financial side of it, but um, creatively, I just think they gelled. I think Stuart Gordon really always liked that uh, Lovecraft and found something interesting to tackle there thematically. And, uh, you know, and, and I just found it, it's just interesting that he would do reanimator and from beyond so close together. And yet you can, you're not necessarily going to be a fan of both films, you know, they're not they're not they're not yeah. just the same thing with the same of the same people they really did a very two very very different films that so, still again share some dna but if you're in the mood for one does not necessarily mean you're going to want to watch it would be a i don't think it would be a great double feature quite frankly it wouldn't that's what i was about to say if you watch yeah. one right after the other for the very first no. time it'd be very yeah. off-putting yeah very. it'd be weird it'd be very mm. very strange mm. You'd almost be better off watching From Beyond first and then following it up with Reanimator, uh, I think, because you get through the heavier stuff first and then kind of relax in the end. Um, but I think you're better off just kind of going from Reanimator to Bride or to Beyond instead of trying to, to do those two films together. So it's, it, it would be not, yeah, it would not be a, a double feature, I think, that would work all that well. Hmm. Uh, so when these movies both came out, I think critically they had some success kevin did you um did you take get the chance to take a look at what critics were saying about these when they were uh, they were released yeah surprisingly when they uh rotten tomatoes has a a higher um critic review than um the other lost other um shit audience you want to try this again yeah yes. i didn't understand a word you just said <laughs> I heard Rotten Tomatoes higher things stuff. I didn't According know what, to Rotten didn't... Tomatoes, the critics gave Reanimator a higher score than the audience, which is surprising. Hmm. Was the that critics, from beyond? It has a ninety-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's were, if you go back and look, the critics were surprisingly strong on Reanimator. Even and uh, Ebert, who hates Ebert, was Pauline Kael, who was notoriously difficult to please, especially when it came to movies like that. She liked it. Uh, there were a that movie. I can't tell you how many reviews I read of Reanime where people were just like, "I was not expecting to enjoy this." Mm. You know, I mean, it was it, that one kind of came out of left field, and I think that's why From Beyond suffered with critics kind of conversely because I think a lot of people were like, "Well, this isn't like Reanimator at all." 
Well, From well, Beyond isn't as like collectively well reviewed as Reanimate, or from yeah, From Beyond isn't as collectively uh, well reviewed, but it still is overall like reviewed pretty well. Yeah, 80%. it did okay. It, yeah, it and did, Roger yeah. Ebert liked From Beyond as well. He did. There's yeah, actually did. a quote on the back of the VHS from him where he yeah. he gives it a, a rave review. So yeah if, he, yeah, if he gives a horror movie a good review, I mean, it's it's you gotta pay attention to that. Yeah, well, it's. I've noticed with horror fans that if a mainstream critic likes something, it sort of gives, it gives them pause and makes them think that we shouldn't. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Wait a minute, we don't. Let the man likes it. What's yeah, going it's on like here, somehow you know? like you know, like I know with um, um, we had talked about Blair Witch last month, and then another one was Paranormal Activity. Both of those movies, before they hit theaters and critics got a hold of them, there were a lot of there was a lot of positive buzz surrounding those and people who had seen him saying how much they thought how scary they thought they were and horror fans were going nuts and then the critics got a hold of him and liked him too and then all of a sudden they're the worst things ever and they're <laughs> it's the worst horror movie ever made and i'm just like you know you can have we can have both you know we can we can you know the mainstream can love this and so can we i mean i get it to a certain extent because for a long time i mean look at like something like silence of the lambs you know like you know silence of the lambs for a lot of people is a horror film but you know it won awards and all of a sudden it becomes a thriller like they don't want to call it a horror oh, they movie never because, promoted it as a horror it was always a psychological well, thriller we're yeah. calling hey. it a horror yeah. film you know and it was in the horror section but then like it wins you know oscars and whatnot now it's a thriller it's not in the right. horror section anymore it's now labeled as a thriller film and it's like you know i understand like you know the, the mainstream sort of has this you know critics have this slight against horror so our version to them makes sense because it's like oh well you know, you guys don't want to like this shit eight ninety nine percent of the time. So the one percent you do, fuck you. Uh, you know, you're not allowed to like this shit apparently because you know why should you be? You don't like anything else. We're like, and, but yeah, unfortunately, also, yeah. like in a lot of ways, there are a lot. Like when people try sit down and tell me, oh, Friday the Thirteenth is the best horror movie ever made. I'm like, y'all, come on. <laughs> like it's it's a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, but though you know, it's a bad movie. Like let's just call you know, it really is not. It's not the, the greatest anything ever made. I adore the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, but I would never set you know step on any hill and go this. Any one of them is the greatest of anything. Are they you know entertaining? Sure. Are they fun to revisit? Of course. Like that's what they are, though. They're not. It's not Shakespeare. You know, when you're comparing something like Friday the Thirteenth to Psycho, there is no comparison. Like one is far better than the other. Uh, one was a cheapy, quick let's make a horror movie to rip off another movie. Another one was directed by an esteemed director who had illustrious career making supernatural, um, uh, suspenseful thriller, psychological horror films. Like it's a completely different animal, but um, you know, I, 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 with these, I don't think they really seem to mind. I think probably by the time audiences really got a hold of these, that wasn't a thing. I don't think that anger was there yet. So most of the horror fans that love these now probably don't even realize that when they were released, critics thought they were good and were singing their praises. So no, they probably don't. Yeah. And also the audiences for those, I mean, the, you know, the, they're, they were going to sign up and watch these movies no matter what. So it wasn't like they needed a critical. And, and I, I know with me being a horror geek back when I was a kid and being something of an outsider, I didn't want mainstream recognition. Uh, no. To me, that was almost like, a, no, we're the rebels. We're the outsiders. We're the, you know, we, we don't want the man to, to say anything good about us. Uh-uh, bullshit. You know, we were, we'd almost rebel against that in a way. So it was almost just like, nah, 
don't you dare like our shit. That's not, no, you don't get to do that. Well, they still and, do that. That yeah. still happens to this day. It, it yeah. The mainstream gets a hold of a horror movie and the mainstream critics like it. It feels like the responsibility of the horror fan to hate it. It's a sellout. It will, you know? it will yeah. turn like, overnight. That's the way it goes. Yeah. One day yeah. it's yeah. great, and the next day, oh, that movie sucks. Well, that's just right. a mainstream Hollywood piece of crap. And, you know, it's just like, it's like what? Because people liked it? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, but. I've always said, like, embrace it. Because, I mean, like, at the end of the day, it keeps the genre alive. It keeps more movies like it being made. I mean, when people went to go see it, and it blew up and became, I think, I think it still is the highest grossing R rated film ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, like Warner brothers was like, well, what other horror properties do we have <laughs> yeah. that we can, you know, like everybody had that, what other clown thing can we put in, you know, you know, and I mean, and again, like you got to deal with that. Like, okay, well now we're going to see a, you know, a glut of Stephen a, King. A, yeah. Or ripoffs and... of this or that, you know, that, you know, whatever. But at least there's going to be some studio exec who's going to, you know, some young director is going to come up with an idea for a horror film. And just because it's in the genre and they're like, oh, we can advertise this writing on the success of this other film, they'll green light it, you know. And that's why From Beyond probably exists is because Reanimator did so well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they saw, you know, they had a... They had a success and said, let's get the gang back together. I mean, that's right. just how yeah. was the success in theaters? I thought it found its audience on home video. Both of them did. Reanimator yeah. actually did pretty well in theater. Neither one of them was a broke the bank uh, theatrically. In fact, From Beyond was kind of a flop, uh, strictly speaking, in terms of, you know, because they, they gave it a little bit more of a theatrical push than Reanimator did based on what Reanimator did. But I also think that they knew going in, video was where this thing was going to make its nut basically yeah and it got a big promotion through vestron and did very very well there uh, but by the time i think they want and i'm sure there were discussions about doing another one but by that time by the time 88 roll you know because it was 86 and by the time that they would have rolled around into another one empire was already having financial troubles mm. and so it was kind of already too late and then but then Full Moon rolls around, and that's where Castle Freak comes in, and Pit and the Pendulum. So Stuart Gordon ended up going over there and doing some work with him over there. And uh, you know, Brian Yuzno wanted to go off and become a director himself, so that's where you know he goes off and does uh, you know Bride of Reanimator and Society and things like that. So it was just kind of they had them, they had it for a little while, and then kind of went off on their own direction. But uh, Reanimator was kind of like a sleeper hit. In, in terms of the markets it played at, certainly. But again, both those films were, it was, it, video was so big at that moment. And that was back when the studios were finally kind of waking up and going, holy crap, we don't know, the, we don't need to worry about theatrical so much with certain movies, especially horror films. Yeah. We can just kind of give it the token theatrical release just so we can say we did it. So we can say on the box, coming straight from a nationwide theatrical release. Right, and then just clean up on home video, which is what Reanimator and yeah. From Beyond did. Well, there was also if the, your movie. So uh, this was back in the day too, where some movies had theatrical distribution, but didn't have home video, and you could go to your distributor or go to a distributor market and say, "Hey, this was released in theaters, and it was released in one theater for two weeks in downtown LA, but it still played it in the still theater. Still played and, there, yeah. And yeah. they didn't fact check; they just saw the off theatrical release, and right. that would automatically bump the value of your film up you oh, know yeah. more than what they would have paid if you had just said oh we it's fresh out of the can we just got done making it yeah. um here's the final cut you know they could say like oh no this is 
you know, hot off the theatrical run that we just did a two, we did a two week run or so we didn't even have to say a time frame. It would be they a just, while you know, before stuff made directly for video became kind of a norm. Yeah. That way you didn't need to worry about whether anyone cared about a theatrical release or not. But at that time, if you could say, Hey, we played in theaters in the U S good enough for me. Now we can right. say, you know, fresh off a nationwide theatrical release. And <laughs> even though if you looked at us, it's like you played in New York and Chicago and LA for a week. You know, and well, it was we're, the we're, same. It was the same print. You know, it was just like, come on, Return of the Living Dead three did that. Even if you look at the poster, mm-hmm. it says in the bottom of the poster, nineteen ninety three theatrical release. release, and it's like where. And I think they, they said at some point it, you know, it played in L A. Yeah, um, for two weeks or three, maybe no, not even. It was a week. It played in L A. for a week, and it was in one theater, right? That they played it, and they and because it was Vidmark, there were a, you know small. They didn't have the money no, for you know, that. No yeah. company. They didn't have any money, but if they could promote that, it even came out in theaters anywhere. You know, it would get people. And all know, they the needed to do value. was just get a couple reviews of it. You know, yeah. so you know, it, was, yeah. it didn't sure matter. Playing Gaffney. <laughs> no, well, Washington <laughs> didn't play Gaffney. Sure. Yeah, well, some horror movies actually did better in the south than they did in the north. Um, oh yeah, depending on what know, kind of movie it was, and especially what the, the Bible Belt. Apparently, the Bible Belt is one of those areas that if you put a horror movie in, you're going to make a lot of money. Um, There's a, a, a lot of repressed uh, anger yeah. and, and, and fun uh, that is yeah. lurking behind a lot of people down there. Someone was a friend of mine from a long time ago told me she used to live in the South and what they called the Bible belt and demons had been released at the drive-in and she yeah. thought she went with her boyfriend and she thought like, no one's going to be at this. The, All of them were there. The, yeah. The, well, <laughs> she's like, the line was down the street. Like cars were, you know they were they were getting close to selling out and i'm like of demons and she goes i know i was i thought the same thing but because you know it's all these church going people that, right you know, why are they going to see demons but well, demons because they, did, there they were it yeah. did demons did play in gaffney demons played shocking. in charlotte yeah. i remember it played in charlotte i remember the ad for it i wasn't alive yet so what was weird well, i've never i'd never heard of it and saw the uh, just to name demons playing, I was like, "Well, that sounds like something I like." So yeah, the ad was it was the yeah. the you know guy coming up from the back of the theater with the light behind him, and it was just <laughs> I remember the ad in, in the Charlotte Observer, demon. I forget it didn't play very many uh, theaters, and it wasn't in town very long. Right, uh, but it was there. It showed up because I remember it was. I, I seem to remember that it showed up in Charlotte and played, and then like the next month, or even the month after that, the ad for the videotape was on the back of a Fangoria magazine. I got yeah. So it was just like, wow, they they just didn't want to waste any time with that shit, did they? Well, I know that that, so Demons, not to get off too far on that, because I'm sure at some point we'll tackle that film, but when Demons was released in the U.S., it was in 86. So mm-hmm. uh, that was in theaters and on video. It came out the same year. Basically, right. the window between theatrical and video for that film was a month. Yeah, it was uh, very, very, It was very, very, very small. Uh, and I don't know why it was done that way. I know the company that put it out, Ascot Entertainment Group, they were, like, it was run by two guys out of New York. Um, their budget for marketing was so small that they only produced, like, 300 press kits and posters. So, like, basically, <laughs> if you have your, your mitts on a Demons poster or a press kit, those are super hard to find because only 300 of them ever went anywhere, and that's, you know, that that's it. So, um but I know people who saw it. I know. I oh, think yeah. our friend Don saw it in the theater. I mean, I'm Kevin. I don't know if you did, but yeah, I saw it. Uh, but I know people went to the theater to go see it, and it did make some money. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know how much money it made, but I mean, I know it, it made enough money for them. You know, 
to say let's make another one uh yeah. but they were shooting demons too while demons one was coming was in theaters i remember there's an interview with i think one of the, the son of lumberto bava on the demon and then demons two came out here in 87 i think yeah. so uh so it was like two years well from- it was again with and they reacted very quickly to what the marketplace was because again horror was burgeoning in the in the 80s and then especially all types of horror movies and there was a weird period there where you could have zombie films, slasher movies, like between 84 and 89, there was the transition. It was slasher was like the big thing, but then, you know, that Nightmare on Elm Street, which kind of mixed things up with fantasy. And then you had zombies in there with Return of the Living Dead and I guess to a certain extent, Reanimator. And then you had like, you know, creature features, big creature features were coming back into play from beyond the Blob remake. I mean, all these other, it was just kind of a, Everything was just kind of fair game there for a while. And then most of it tanked. And then yeah. <laughs> everything just kind of reset itself as the 90s came in. And all of that went away. It was just it was this brief, very intense flurry of activity where the, the creative floodgates just opened for horror. And you could really tackle anything you wanted to. And then horror just went on a downslide for a little bit, which happens. Well, you also can't forget the ultimate creature feature movie from the 80s, Spookies, which I know is Mel's favorite. He's got the shirt on that I got for him. I do. Yeah, Gibbs brings up Spookies every night. And he just you, won't, you know, just have we talk- talked about the whole Spookies incident with Mel? Because if we, even if we have, it's worth repeating. Yeah, it's I worth saw repeating. this movie a few years ago. I still on haven't seen that the, damn movie. Well, you know, for the <laughs> first time. She ain't gonna now. For the first time I saw it on Blu-ray, because for years, everyone told me what a mess it was, how it didn't make any sense. I'm like, look, I don't want to watch something that, like, I have to try to figure, like, you know, piece it together. And the rumor I heard was it was two movies that were incomplete that a distributor picked up and cut together. So I'm thinking, oh, this fucking thing doesn't even have an ending. I don't want to see this, you know. Uh, and then I it, it was coming out on Blu-ray. A friend of mine was a big fan. She asked me to pick her up a copy. I was going to the Vinegar Syndrome store to get some other stuff. And I said, all right, I'll grab it. And while I was there, they were having a signing for the movie with a bunch of people that were in the film. They were all from New York, so they still live locally. And they all just seemed really nice. They were very you know, grateful the movie had you know, you know an audience. And people were, there was a lot of people there to get their Blu-ray signed. So I kind of got up on the high of it i said okay i'll buy a copy too what the fuck i've never seen it but maybe i'll enjoy it and i brought it home and i watched it and i really liked it it was a it was is it a good movie no it's it's fucking terrible but it was so much fun it was a lot of rubber monsters and a lot of you know um cool special effects i'm like this is a fun kind of janky little movie i brought it up twice in conversation between like the time i saw it and maybe like six months down the road and the second time i brought it up this is mel Ah, you and this fucking movie, Spookies. What is it, your favorite goddamn movie? Now you never stop talking about it. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I felt like you talked about it every fucking day. See, that's what I mean. But everyone else was just as puzzled as I was. Felsha was like, I think this is like the second or third time he's brought it up. What are you talking about? If you were saying that about Night of the Demons, that's fair. Fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Video Dead. Yeah, or yeah, but Spookies, I think he brought up twice. But yeah, Mel was just like, oh, every day with the fucking Spookies. Ah, Jesus Christ. Maybe, <laughs> Literally. maybe Mel was dreaming about me talking about Spookies more she, than I actually yeah, was. Like, she woke up all angry. Ooh, give me that Spookies. <laughs> we all know my dreams are very vivid. Yeah. 
But I mean, I would have got it because even with Video Dead, she made a song about the Video Dead because I would bring that up. You know, that's how Felsher and I, I did. Met. Yeah, you did. It was not a, one of your more memorable ones, but you made up a song about it. I don't remember yeah, the song, but yeah, he's a, he never. He, that was the thing I was just like. I think he's brought up Spookies once before. I don't remember <laughs> yeah. him. But so now we kid about Gibbs. Oh, here he comes with Spookies, there, even though he's, spookies. Yep. he's never and brought I got, it up. And really. I do. And Kevin did buy me a very nice Spookies t-shirt for Christmas. And I am I am donning it right now. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lovely and very comfortable shirt, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wear it on, on the Lord's Day on Sunday. Doesn't feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a cheap piece of shit. Thanks. There you go. Yeah. So, but yeah, the eighties were definitely filled with, with a lot of variety for sure. And that, that's honestly probably why it's, it's one of my favorite decades. Cause you can go from having a movie that, you know, like, um, really uh, Friday the 13th, which is for the most part, pretty serious in its tone and, you know, kind of violent or even like something like cannibal Holocaust, if you want to get like visceral or just like disturbing to something fun, like spookies in the same decade, like that's, well, and I you think, know, yeah. And I think the seventies you... have a very like distinct feel. There wasn't a lot of like, I love seventies horror. I love sixties well, horror. Yeah. I, I, I love most, but there's decades, a variety with eighties. And I think a that's big what re- I'm getting to. Yeah. The seventies think... sort of like has that, like these filmmakers who were kind of up and coming and trying to push, further like the envelope further each one sort of seemed like well you know Wes craven just made last house on the left or toby hooper just made texas chainsaw massacre so let's try to top that in terms of just you know let's be and a lot a, little and a lot of those further yeah and a lot of those decades the horror films very much represented the social and political climates of the time yeah in in there but whereas mm-hmm. the 80s certainly did but because and i think there's a direct result of the birth of home video is that it brought in horror films from everywhere Suddenly right. we're getting films from Italy and France and Japan and Mexico and all these films that we had never really been exposed to before. So suddenly horror in the eighties through my recollection is certainly, you know, cause I was going to the video store every weekend, grabbing as much as stuff as I could. I didn't have one particular subgenre of horror that I was always attracted to. It would, depending on what cover grabbed me, I was up for all of it. And yeah. Fangoria was advertising all these. You go back and you read the Fangorias from the eighties. It's like, there's so many different types of movies that were being made. And the filmmakers that were making, you know, Romero and Cronenberg and Craven were doing their own thing. And Carpenter was doing his own thing. Everyone seemed to just be able to follow their own muse to a certain degree with 80 in the eighties. And it wasn't as trend driven or as, you know, monolithic as some of the other, certainly the nineties were, um, much more streamlined and self-contained in terms of what horror movies came out in that decade. And they also started becoming a little bit self-referential in the 90s when Scream came along. So now we're paying homage to stuff that came out in the last decade. Right. And so, but whereas the 80s, I I, I, I think, I mean, I grew up in the 80s. That probably was going to always be my decade for that, for horror movies one way or the other. But it's the decade that I still find to have been ironically in, in many ways the most adventurous even if well, they yeah, didn't, there was even if there was they didn't lot... necessarily know they were being adventurous they were yeah yeah well there were also a lot of folks willing to take risks i mean again not to be a dead horse but what other what other decade can you think of that would have anyone would have been given the money to make a movie about zombies coming out of a television set right or you know, you know that had or, that, or, that had to happen in the 80s that had or to happen that could have had made a movie like from beyond for example where yeah they, or would, you know where, those or hellraiser of... or something like that which would have 
been just like, you know, wow, holy shit, this is some kind of twisted shit. But they they knew a way to promote it. They had home video as a fallback. So the people are going to want this. We know where they're going to be. Right. And we can get this to them. And they knew how to promote them properly. So in a weird way, it was a, the subject matter was kind of, I don't want to say incidental, but if they had a marketing hook, they said, well, make whatever kind of movie you want to some degree. Yeah. And, you know, they would befall the, the, the MPAA, of course, would crack down on a lot of the shit, especially in the latter half of the 80s, but which just made us want it more, you know? So it was, and From Beyond and Reanimator, Reanimator dodged that by the by having the nature of the unrated version, whereas From Beyond didn't. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, I, I, I think those films, Reanimator and From Beyond, really represent very much the time in which they were made. And yet I don't think either one of them feels like an eighties film necessarily. I think they're, they're not, they're kind of take, especially from beyond takes place kind of out of time in a way. I don't think it's necessarily a film that feels like it was made in 1986. Um, you know, I feel like it does. It has a lot of that. I mean, Mel, I don't, I don't know. Mel, Kevin, I don't know if you want to weigh on this, but I, uh, I feel like it, it definitely feels like it's, it, it's the it's the neon lighting that's what kind of does it for me it's that bright pink lighting see that just goes along with me for is in terms of the res the world that they were trying to create with the resonator i don't really view that i mean i i realize that there's a lot of films that had that back then but i don't i don't know for some reason from beyond doesn't quite uh tie itself to the the time in which it was made as some other films do it's just i think it's big that that neon look became part of the 80s aesthetic for a lot of people so when they're trying to pay homage to the 80s there's a lot of pink lights there's a lot of blue lights there's a lot of red light and it that bright neon pink light and those rubbery wet special effects to me that's very 80s well that, that was something that, that was certainly you know, the rubber monster it was the big it was the big rubber latex goo well, monster not just period. rubber but like wet they're yeah, caked in ky just, jelly K- they're K- slimy K-Y jelly, methyl cellulose yeah, over there you know like in order to you yeah. know i know that there's pictures of some stuff that you see from that era where it's dry and it doesn't look very good but then they slather it with you know you know the the ky jelly and the oh, methyl you know, cellulose was the yeah big, and then like uh, all of a sudden it's it's alive and it looks like it looks yeah. 10 times more <laughs> convincing but yeah. uh what do you guys think like from beyond feels like in 80s like it yes does to me. no i mean it's kind of hard not to watch it since you i mean you see the, the, the clothes style and stuff like that you know it's 80s you know it was made in 80s so it's kind of hard not to think of it as the 80s to me well all films are going to be somewhat of the period in which they're made because that's when they're made but i don't know there's other other 80s horror films that for me are uh dated more by their their time than others are and i just don't feel like that one uh it quite gets uh painted with the 80s brushes some other ones do what do you think mayo I mean, I, I think it, it, I mean, it's clearly, it's, uh, you know, they're both clearly 80s films, but some just kind of uh, hold up better than others. Um, and I think, I think these do hold up better than a lot of, you know, other lower budget 80s films. But I, but I think it's because, you know, you had people working on them that, you know, were genuinely talented and, and, uh enjoyed what they were making all right yeah no i agree with that you definitely there was definitely a sense of accomplishment and pride with these films which 
you know, as this again, like as the studio machine gets involved, that it, it becomes more you lose about, a lot of autonomy when the you studio do gets involved. you do yeah yeah i know it's it's way off base here but it kind of relates has anyone watched Shit's creek the show Shit's creek yes mm-hmm. so there's a point in the show where one of the characters um oh my god what the fuck i'm blank omar no not what the hell's her name? Look, what the, the 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 wife help me care Catherine O'Hara's moira character. moira moira rose thank you is going off to make this movie that the the crows have eyes part three and oh, she yeah. yeah and she meets the director who's basically like look like this is a reason for me to go to bora bora i'm not here to make mm-hmm. anything like worth you know this is like the third movie in a horror franchise i really don't care about it yeah, I'm she on check. the other hand has like invested herself in her character and tried to come up with you know changed lines and done things to try to make it better and so she does one scene the way she wants to do it. And the director all of a sudden is like, huh, am I crazy or is there something here? And then they make the movie and it comes out straight to like a Netflix platform and becomes like a big overnight hit. And everybody loves it and is talking about it. And she's getting hit up for publicity and press. But that scene of him going, I'm here for the trip to Bora Bora. <laughs> I imagine there was probably a lot of directors in the industry that were given a horror film oh, yeah. like you know the hills have eyes part two and going well you know yeah it's the hills have eyes part two who the fuck cares i'm i'm here for a trip for you know whatever or the paycheck and that stuff really shows when you watch a movie and you're mm-hmm. you, you know, any genre really but horror i feel like it happens more often than not i don't think well then again romantic comedies probably fall into this too because they kind of have that sort of you know paint by numbers way about them but with horror it's like you you can really tell when somebody like this was a passion project versus i'm here to collect a paycheck oh who was uh, it that said there was a, oh and it shows the director of the nightmare on elm street remake was quoted yeah. saying i'm just here to i just wanted do, to go to michigan i just wanted <laughs> to do a movie. Yeah, i just wanted to do a movie you know i need to do a movie and have a calling card so i could say i did a movie or something to that effect and it was just like well it shows in the final output buddy yeah. Well, you and know, I, and from and from beyond could have been very much like, oh, well, we just wanted a trip to Italy, yeah. but it wasn't. You know, no. apparently, you know, these people all seem to to genuinely care about their remain. It, it was really just a budgetary thing. It it costs way less to to go to Italy and shoot it on. Oh soundstage. yeah, I mean they had oh, all, yeah. they, they had everything mm-hmm. they needed out there, and of course there was going to be. It was the old like uh, Dino De Laurentiis. It was. Uh, it was the, the Dino De Laurentiis studios. studios. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't in great shape when they got it. Uh, well, it had been seized by the government because he wasn't uh, paying for it. I right. guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was a little bit run down, but uh, they still had all the costumes from all the great costume dramas they'd shot there. Yeah. And I remember it was a lot of the guys said when we weren't filming, we were just wandering around the studio, looking at all the stuff because I think King Kong was out there somewhere still and sitting around from the the '76 yeah. remake and stuff like that. But, Can you imagine uh, walking into an empty, dark room and and you just flip the light on? There's a giant King Kong head right in the middle of the room. <laughs> like, I forget who it was who told me this story, but it was I think it was on someone on Dream a Little Dream or one of the films that shot in Wilmington a couple years after King Kong Lives filmed there, and he said that on you know at lunch or sometimes I would go up and have lunch sitting in King Kong's hand. And, huh. the, and I, it was just because it was no one was in there and it was just really comfortable so i would just sit in king kong's hand and have lunch and dinner and i took a picture of myself in king kong's hand back in this because it was just king kong was out back you know 
and it was like that at at, uh, at the at the dealer right studio, the Empire Studios for the couple of years he had it. Yeah, they were making movies, and 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 everyone just said, "Hey, I would have probably done this movie anyway, but a free trip to Rome, fuck yeah, yeah. right, like, right." You know, I mean, why not? I think that's a majority of the folks who did Ghoulies too. They were all like. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Well, it's Ghoulies too, but we get to go to Rome, so fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Uh, and then you know, Ghoulies two ended up being a and lot. And also, fun. back then, it's still even in the eighties, even with home video, there was still this prevailing attitude with a lot of actors, certainly name actors who'd like to work overseas. Well, I'll do these movies, and they'll get seen over, but they'll never make their way back to the shores. No one will ever see or hear of these movies again. Lo and behold, not so much. Right, uh, because now with the marketplace, the way that there's no such thing as a film that no one sees anymore. Right, and and uh, all these guys I can't tell you how many actors and producers and directors I've talked to over the years who went and did these movies, thinking four people will see them and at least I'll get a paycheck. And you're like, you know about that movie? Oh yeah, <laughs> right. lots of people do. Oh God, really? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, no, that comes up a lot. I mean, we that, that we've definitely run into that in the past where people are like, you. That you, this came there was one movie i can't remember what i think it was actually mel that told me it was like sleepaway camp three or something where someone was like this actually came out it got like, out we didn't know it. oh god was that was that were you with sleepaway was it one of the sleepaway uh, camp actors probably yeah um yeah. it was uh yeah they just you know they they were like oh i didn't realize anyone had ever seen this film and i'm like what do you mean it was released as a box set and like <laughs> and so many people have seen it and love what? it and they're like oh i didn't even realize anyone had ever seen it yeah i remember steve rails back i went up to him at a convention i told him oh i'm a big fan we're re-releasing escape 2000 which was also known as turkey shoot and he went oh my god it got out <laughs> he was like holy shit no and it's like no. don't worry it's a fun movie yeah well because some people i think that there i know there was a, a, a effects guy i talked to a while ago who worked on a bunch of stuff for miramax um that's never been released oh yeah he they worked a... on like five projects for them that were basically uh, at the end of the day they were tax write-offs and mm -hmm. that's all they ever and like he's like these weren't movies that we shot and they were like okay we're done these were movies they cut together we yeah. saw, there were that we saw screenings of them for the cast and crew like these were ready to go and then for some reason miramax just went nope we're gonna shelve it and they're just sitting somewhere and he's like these are like one of them quentin tarantino was involved in mm. and he's like i i'm surprised that film never got put out after he became successful because like he 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 was on set and they gave him a producer credit or something but i guess because he technically wasn't a producer in the pga yet they couldn't put it out with his name on it so mm that they it can never come out with his name on it as a producer but it was <laughs> on there because they knew they were never going to put it out uh so i was like <laughs> so they went out and made movies just to be like oh this it's a tax write-off he said yeah they had to show otherwise they'd owe money so they make enough to not owe money so to show they have a loss so they get money back and i'm like oh that's fucked up but you know i i it's always i've always wanted to go through one of those vaults and start pulling the movies that never got released and like, you know, sit down and watch some of them and go, was this that bad? Or was it just one of those things that like at the time, maybe the audience wouldn't have been there for, you know, cause there's certainly a lot of films that we all love today that when they came out, they fell on deaf ears, but as time went on, they found an audience. And uh, I think a lot of that stuff, if that's the reason why, or maybe it was just a pure, we're not interested in ever releasing this regardless of how good or bad it is. We just, we want a tax write off. Mm -hmm. So that's what this is always going to be was meant to be. Um, 
so I don't know, but there's a lot of stuff like that that never saw the light of day. So mm-hmm. I wonder. I know Charles Band had a lot of shit that he oh sure production ideas that never happened. He would make the poster for a film, yeah, and then see if he can get financing for it. Yeah, him. see if he can get the money for it. There's one. There was a group I used to be in, and I wish I had saved this fucking picture because I remember the poster vividly. It was one of those. I think it was an Empire film. It may, it may not have been. It may just been one of those like little low budget affairs where somebody made a poster first pulled a page out of his book and tried to do it this way but it had all of these soldiers zombies bursting out of a city street and like out of store windows and it was supposed to be this movie about a battalion of civil war confederate zombies that invaded a small town mm-hmm. and i'm like oh my god where's this movie i'm like oh it never got made this huh. was the poster they made for it and i was like but why didn't this get made this looks so <laughs> cool who, who didn't want to throw money at confederate zombies but uh yeah it, i don't even remember what the what the name of the movie was but i've been trying to find that image just be like there it is i'm not crazy it exists at least the poster exists but maybe hmm. it turned into the supernaturals i don't know because you know that's a confederate zombie movie right yeah oh uh, yeah and then there's ghost brigade yeah, it's curse of the screaming dead so yeah. you know there's a small subgenre of <laughs> confederate <laughs> confederate zombie movies yeah it's kind of like the Nazi zombies, you know, like yeah, you, no, yeah, yeah. you only got a handful of those. But anyway, um, so from Beyond and Reanimator, uh, let's see, which one do I prefer? Well, I think I said it earlier, Reanimator. I like From Beyond, but Reanimator for me, um, you know, it clicked a lot easier than From Beyond did. Uh, I like the humor in it, as everyone's brought up. It has some of the most quotable lines ever. I know this, you know, this one might hit close to home for you three, but I apologize, but you know, what would a note say, Dan? Cat dead. Details later. Like, I love that line. Um, it's one of the fun. And, like, the way it's delivered is so deadpan, pardon the pun, and funny. Like, it just, it oh, works. There um, is, there is, here's a little bit of trivia. If you ever see Jeffrey Combs at a show and you really want to just get under his skin, uh, make sure you go up to him and ask him if you're going to have him sign a reanimator photo. Have him add the line, he took everything except for what I have upstairs. He hates that line. He hated having to deliver it. It's not, he just, he was like, it, it, he couldn't, he, in his mind, he couldn't figure out a way to deliver it that made it sound natural. And he hates that line to this day. So if you can, if you really want to get under his skin, because like, he took everything except for what I have upstairs. So he hates that line. So get him to sign that for you. Okay. Um, so uh, we want to piss him off before we get autographed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Good, good, good call. Felsher's good at pissing no, and people off. I love off. Jeffrey Cohn. Jeffrey's been great with me over the years, but sometimes you just got to have fun, you know? How about you, Cavi? Which one do you prefer? Reanimator. Preferred. I like From Beyond, but Reanimator's just my jam. I love Jeffrey Combs. The way he, um, he plays it so straightforward, but over the top at the same time. It just... I love that. So, reanimator for me. Mail. I mean, definitely reanimator for me. Um, and like I said, uh, from beyond is is uh, absolutely absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's a very well made film. Um, it's just with those kind of movies with all those types of you know effects and whatnot. I just need something a little a little more humorous. I think to keep me invested could describe it we could put this in the back of the next release or from beyond with mel's quote it was icky Ew. i said conventions are icky <laughs> but you could say this movie was icky too uh, yeah no i mean some of the effects just you know i don't i don't like 
which is so funny because I love horror movies, but I don't like gross stuff. Hmm. Um, and like, I don't, I don't like stuff that's like really gory. So if something is going to be really gory, I need something to kind of like offset it a little bit. And I think reanimator is just like so funny that it does that for me. Whereas from beyond, I'm just watching it and I'm like, yeah, it's nasty. And Falsher, I think earlier you had mentioned which one you prefer. Yeah, actually, the other. yeah, it is from beyond. Um, yep. Although I love reanimated, but for some reason from beyond has been the one that I've gone back to more often. Uh, hmm. It's certainly in recent years. Yeah. And that's the one I find more rewarding now. Although I, it's not a knock against reanimator. And again, I feel weird even kind of comparing the two to some degree. Um, See, I, I, you said that a few times and like, I, I, to me, they're both very comparable in the sense that like they I think Mel brought this up earlier. They both deal with science. They both deal with not leaving well enough alone. They both also have the, obviously the HP Lovecraft influence. Um, to me, they have a lot of similarities. I, I don't know if oh, I, no, I do think I, they have a lot of, I'm I, not saying they're I, completely disparate films or anything, but uh, uh, I don't know. I just, for some reason, tonally, those, those movies do not line up together for me very well. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Like I said, I, mean, I don't think they would make a very good double feature. You know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'd pair them up together myself. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be adverse to it just because I feel like the the common threads they do have, which is sort of why we paired them up here tonight, um, is uh, was enough to make it make sense that these two would have you know enough in common to be able to discuss them both. Um, you know, especially sharing not just sharing a lot of the same cast members, but it was really cool to see Jeffrey Combs play this sort of like hysterical scientist to this kind of you know, sort of subdued. And as you said, kind of like, you know, the victim scientist who was more against bringing this thing back versus the one who is determined so obsessed with it that he can't see anything else. It's just a matter Mm -hmm. of proving that this serum works and it can bring the dead back to life. And this guy's like, no, we opened a fucking gateway, y'all that's dangerous and terrible. And this guy got his head shoot off because of it. And fuck that. We don't want this shit getting over here. Destroy the machine and get, let's just move on. Uh, so it's very different. It's a very different role for him and for Barbara Crampton, who, you know, again, mm. switches gears as well. So, um, but watching, you know, from beyond today, even I could definitely see the similarities and the kind of parallels they have. Uh, and even the feel of them in some ways, um, because like I said, with From Beyond, there is a bit of a sense of humor with Ken Foray's character. He's kind of the he's the common man who needs who kind of, you know, breaks down the humor. You know, uh, I, I chuckled at his line. You know, I think the scariest thing here is, is starving to death, you know, and I was like, ah, that's a fun one, you know, but, you know, it, the way he delivers it is funny. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I but re- I like them both. But yeah, Reanimator for me would be the one that I would probably revisit again uh, if I was going to sit down and watch another one right away it would definitely mm-hmm. be from beyond uh, a reanimator rather but uh but yeah both good both very great representations of the genre i think that they're very strong movies overall um and again critics like them uh critics still like them fans obviously adore them they keep getting re-released and uh put out on various editions i'm uh i'm i knew a 4k of reanimator was gonna but was bound to happen at some point um I'm just hoping it happens sooner than later because, you know, it's one of those ones that I'll definitely upgrade Uh, from beyond looked amazing in 4k. So if anyone is sitting on the fence for that one, um, 
that was definitely an upgrade. Yeah, that those, I, those pinks really pop in. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was very happy to get that. And uh, if again for nothing else, to retire the uh, awful artwork from the uh, Scream Factory edition. <laughs> all right, so. all right, all right, right. No, we hate it. Jesus, <laughs> I don't like it. I mean, come on, you know. I'm allowed. All you ever talk about is they're from beyond artwork and spookies. It's all you ever talk about. It's just like spookies. this fucking disc came out. This came out in 2013. This is an 11 year old disc. I'm, I've never complained about it before today, and I'm, I'm starting now. That's not so, my memory. It seems like every night when we play games, you're just like, "Hi, everybody! Boy, I hate that from beyond artwork." <laughs> I, got, I got 11 years of complaining to catch up on. But uh, by the way, have you seen Spookies? <laughs> it's my favorite movie. Mel still needs to watch Spookies. Eh. Eh. I'm going to get you to watch it one of these days. Uh, no, you're does not. Anyone else have anything to uh, to say? Wrapping up on these two, uh, uh, the, the only thing I would like to say is if I express myself inelegantly at times regarding the uh, the sexual side of From Beyond and Reanimator, I apologize. I'm an idiot. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So please send your hate mail my way, and I'm sure you're right. Okay. Okay. I don't know what was wrong with the way you just discussed I don't know. I'm just sure I did. I'm trying to, I'm rewinding a bit here. I mean, but you know, whatever. I mean, maybe when I go back and re-listen to this, when I'm editing, I'll be like, oh, there's the nugget. No, I don't think I did, but I probably did. So, you know. Got it. Okay. In this day and age, you can get canceled for any fucking thing you say. So, you know. Listen, if we haven't gotten canceled yet, all right, like I'm just saying. Anyway, um, Kevin, anything to throw on from Beyond a Reanimator before we go? Nah, they're they're two very different movies, but very same a lot too. So, Reanimator's the best. Not as good as Spookies, but okay. Yeah, Spookies. Nothing I, I, is. You know, Redshirt, I'm starting to think that you're the Closet Spookies fan here, because you keep bringing it up now. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, you know. I'm waiting for the 8K of Spookies, and then, you know, you can... can Give me that 8K of Spookies! You can really celebrate. Oh, Oh boy. Uh, Mel, anything before we wrap up? No! Bruce Abbott was really hot in Reanimator. And once again... (laughs) <laughs> and now he's married to Kathleen Quinlan from uh, Breakdown and Apollo 13 and uh, the Hills Zone Have Eyes remake. And Twilight Zone, the movie. That's where I first remember seeing her. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good for him. All right, all. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. We're, <laughs> we're going to start doing more like this. Um, so sorry. <laughs> we kind of uh, hit this realization in October of last year that we are we've eventually run, if we don't out of things to do yeah if we're gonna <laughs> if we don't change this up a little bit we're gonna run out of things to talk about and we you know not that you know there's plenty to discuss out there we're well aware of that but we did sort of find ourselves retreading some of the same ground again and you know we don't want certainly don't want to be repetitive around here so you know we thought this might be a good way to prevent us from doing that. So if you guys have any suggestions for some pairings that you'd like to see us do, please send them our way. We're happy to look at those and uh, consider them. We have a couple of our own plan, but you know, if there's some that come along that are a bit better. Yes. As a matter of fact, our next show will be comparing and contrasting Schindler's list and mannequin two on the move. 
we will be uh, seeing how, how those two line up. Well, more similarities there than you might think, folks. It's really I nice. Seen I, 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 I've never seen either of those. Uh, that's it. <laughs> well, you brought that to a screeching halt, Kevin. Thank you very yeah. much. I appreciate I really, that. Yeah, I was, I'll I was catch gonna... up on that. I don't yeah, think I've sure. seen Mannequin 2. I've seen the first Mannequin. Oh my god, we're actually going to talk about this? Okay, um, You stupid, brought it up? But... Well, I didn't think anybody would actually talk about it. It's fucking but, absurd! But we can talk about how Andrew McCarthy is still pretty fucking hot. Well, he's not in Mannequin 2. He's in Mannequin it's 1. William Rag- it's, yeah, but we it's, were it's, talking about Mannequin Oh god, end the show! Please end the show! It, it, William Ragsdale is in Mannequin 2. And Christy well, Swanson. Well, he Charlie has Brewster. his merits as well. <laughs> you know... On that note, before we go, I will say this much. And not that we're going to turn this into a show about Mannequin 2, but I was <laughs> sitting with William Ragsdale in Salem when he was promoting Fright. He was talking about Fright Night and 1 and 2. And more people came up to him about Mannequin 2 than like <laughs> we thought we're going to. It was kind of surprising. So there's an audience for it out there. Everything has an audience. But anyway. We're not going to be discussing those. So this is entirely Felcher's fault, and he's over there having his little meltdown. So good for him. But yeah, we need to end the one... show before he Why kills he himself. And uh, I don't know why. I don't think that's a butter. Just on know. his desk. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so... let's do this before he kills himself and breaks my mom's heart. So <laughs> anyway, guys. So thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And as always, keep it spooky.